You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to episode 54 of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors and updates on Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, as well as the future standalone films and Episodes 8 and 9, and Battlefront and Star Wars Rebels and all that other fun and exciting new stuff coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Doing good. Uh, good to be back doing another episode not too long from our last one. We got more great stuff to talk about. Rebels, standalone stuff, celebration news, and it's going to be a good one. Because we're, as a recording in the middle of February right now, we're getting real close to, like, big milestone in the year of 2015 that's going to make it awesome. Like, the season finale of Rebels, celebration, and then it's all going to lead into The Force Awakens. So we're moving closer every day, and it's exciting. Yeah, definitely. In fact, um, and for those of you guys listening to this, this, you probably won't hear this for, I don't know, another day or two. But as of the time we're recording this, it is February 16th, which means we have exactly two months until we're at Star Wars Celebration, um, which is just going to be an awesome time. And we'll talk about that a little bit later with a couple new updates we have from that. Um, but this is going to kind of be part two uh, leading over from our last episode where uh, – you know, we had a, a ton of stuff to talk about, so we kind of split it up and we just covered um, The Force Awakens and some video game related stuff and some, uh, you know, celebration stuff on the last episode. This episode is mostly going to be focused on the standalone films and on Star Wars Rebels. Um, but uh, sort of leading over from our last episode, we are going to talk about uh, one new uh, huge bit of. Um, Rumors from uh, episode seven that just came out today, uh, you know, a huge article posted over at makingstarwars.net where they've just got a ton of new rumors about episode seven. And then we'll talk uh, some some new Battlefront rumors as well that sound pretty exciting. Um, but Tim, why don't you, uh, I don't know, start us off on these episode seven rumors and we'll kind of just skim through these real quick and, uh, I don't know, maybe avoid some of the, the more spoilery ones and not, uh, you know, read every word of this uh, essay on, on Force <laughs> Awakens rumors, but uh, just kind of skim through some of this stuff. Yeah, I like the title for this article over at Making Star Wars. It's called like, The Force Awakens PSA Rumor Dump because <laughs> that is pretty much really what it is. A lot of stuff to kind of digest as you're reading through it. But yeah, so uh, the editor-in-chief at Making Star Wars on that, Jason Ward, he got sent some emails from someone and a lot of it he's saying for this batch of report was like some of it was new to him and like didn't couldn't get verified with his other sources, but some of it was kind of matching up to some other stuff he's heard in the sources that he has. So that makes it pretty interesting. So first off, what kicks it off is a lot of it too in this report is stuff we've heard before as possible rumors. And a lot of it too is just maybe certain stuff we didn't hear about 
lot of speculation that you and me have done on this podcast talking about certain things that we may see for characters and what happens and the relationships they have with each other and how they're related to each other. So uh, there's a lot of that going on in there. And like the first one it kicks off with is with Luke and kind of his situation. And it's pretty much a lot of it. We've heard he's kind of in self-exile. But in this one, it's saying that he's put in his self-imposed exile to kind of guard a Sith tomb from who, where Kylo Ren is kind of searching for. And in there, he's guarding the tomb of Darth Plagueis, which, you know, you and me have speculated on before. How cool would it be if Darth Plagueis ends up being the like main threat of this new trilogy? And Episode Seven's kind of him awakening, I guess you could say, out, out from being dead and then coming back as the main threat for Episode Eight and Nine. So stuff like that I found to be really cool with that's a reason Luke is in self-imposed exile. And the fact, too, that he has become unstable and he know he's like kind of scared of his power that he could use for like for himself and the galaxy and how it's like in a way that's kind of being tormented here where like he's not going crazy kind of in other reports that we heard but there's stuff that's going on so that doesn't make not making him like the luke we know and love from the original trilogy so more stuff leading into luke's exile that i like hearing i mean that's pretty much the main thing I have to say, safely say that I'm looking forward to episode seven. It's just Luke at the character, where he's been through, where he's at in this movie, how far he's advanced with the Force. And I said this before, too, that more and more reports that I'm hearing about Luke and his situation, the more that I dislike what I'm hearing. So this adds to it, too. So it's more of the sense, too. A lot of the stuff in this report where it's like, Yes, it sounds really cool. I like where I, what I'm hearing. Just kind of hoping this is what how the movie's going to pan out and what we're reading and hearing about so much makes it onto the final movie when we're watching it on December 18th. So stuff with Luke, and then there's more stuff with Han now saying he's going to be, out of all three of the original trilogy members, he has, he's going to be the main focus of kind of moving the story along and getting the new uh, trio of characters working together, Ray Finn and Poe Dameron. And there is some description in the here too that I didn't read as far as how certain scenes play out where like the new trio of heroes meet up. That's the kind of the stuff I want to stay away from as far as how scenes play out and certain stances of what caused them to meet. Kind of want to stay away from that a little bit. So yeah, but that stuff does sound really entertaining because I read those rumors and uh, I mean that's just one more thing that I'm like, well, if this does turn out to be true, I like the way it's going and uh, I kind of hope that pans out to be true. Um, See, that, even though I'm not reading it, that makes me feel good about it, though. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, w- without going into too much description or detail here, I mean, basically the gist of it is that Finn is, you know, he is a stormtrooper. He's part of the Empire, but he doesn't want to be part of the Empire. You know, he's been forcefully enlisted, and uh, he meets up with Ray and Poe Dameron at some point while he's still in the Empire, and they help him escape, and there's, you know, some fun action and escape sequences and stuff like that. Um but yeah, I mean, so that sounds like a lot of fun. Like you said, the stuff with Luke, I think sounds really cool. Um, a lot of it we've, we've heard before where it's, uh, you know, him being in a self-imposed exile, but I like this, this kind of new twist that, um, it's not just him being afraid of his own power, but he's guarding this ancient Sith tomb and that he isn't necessarily going crazy, but he's being tormented by these Sith spirits, um, and, you know, hearing voices and stuff while he's sort of in the presence of so much dark side energy that maybe even, um, you know, the, the ancient Sith spirit within the tomb is is talking to him, even though it's not fully resurrected yet or whatever. Um, and, yeah, if it does turn out to be Darth Plagueis or, you know, some other character that we know, 
um, that that could be really cool to see. Yeah, that kind of goes back to stuff we talked about in the past, is regarding like four spirits and six spirits. Like if it's if he's hearing voices, if or I want it to just be one voice. If he is hearing anything that's tormenting, to be Darth Plagueis, because we know the story about Darth Plagueis, the one being able to cheat death, and he's somehow he's found found a way. But I still like the idea of how the Sith not being able to survive after death as four spirits like the Jedi have. So it kind of yeah. made it in this report saying it said ghost plural. So that kind of made me pause a little bit. Like, I don't know about that, but maybe if it's just Plagueis, who's the voice he's hearing throughout uh, his time in self-exile, that'll work for me. I just still don't want to see it to be like multiple ancient Sith spirits that are either that's trying to be resurrected or Luke's in contact with some way. Just have it be one. And it would make sense if it is Darth Plagueis knowing his history. Yeah. But see, the thing for me with Sith is, um, I mean, if you, you know, even if you think about sort of the the legends and, and stories in our culture about ghosts and whatnot, it's like a lot of the times they're described as, um, you know, spirits that can't, they, they can't find peace. They, they're, they're not able to depart, um, from, from this world. And that's where their spirit stays here. And so with the Sith, I think that would be different from the Jedi in the sense where the Jedi, you know, become one with the force, but they're so powerful that they're able to you know, retain their identity and still talk to people and stuff like that. Whereas I, I do sort of like the idea of, Sith ghosts, um, so to speak, you know, these, these tormented ancient spirits that, um, are so like hell bent on, on staying alive and retaining their power that they kind of just stick around to like haunt their tomb, but they can't just like wander wherever they want and teach people the ways of the force and stuff. Um, so if there were multiple Sith ghosts in that, res- in, in that regard, I wouldn't mind it so much because then the other thing too, is if they are going to include Darth Plagueis because he is, you know, the, the one who, who devoted so much of his life to trying to, uh, cheat death and, and find a way to become immortal and all that. I almost would rather, um, you know, find out that Darth Plagueis never actually died rather than find out that, uh, you know, Palpatine killed him, but now he's just kind of hanging around as a ghost. Um, I I think it would be really cool if somehow, and, and I'm not saying that he's, you know, just, He's got a tomb, but he's just like chilling inside reading a book like, you know, (laughs) I'm in here, but I'm not actually dead. Um, But if it was if it was something other than, uh, you know, I I don't know, some sort of gray area between life and death, you know, almost like if you think of Voldemort from the Harry Potter books where like, um, you know, he, he didn't really have a physical manifestation. He had kind of died, but he never really died and left like he was still out there just in a different form so um if they if they sort of did something like that with Plagueis I think that would be kind of cool yeah I mean the thing what you're saying about Sith spirits it's that's an intriguing way to think about it too but I I just something about the idea where they're just so obsessed with like the physical plane and retaining like their physical power where that that's just what's so important to them that they can't even conceive like being like in a spirit realm or whatever that the Jedi can like being selfless and sacrificing their human body and to go on to like to be four spirits or the few that can do it. I just, because we saw the perfect like different examples with Qui-Gon and Yoda sacrificing. Well, Qui-Gon had sacrificed himself. He was killed in action, but Yoda sacrificed himself. Obi-Wan sacrificing himself, but then being willing to leave that physical plane that you get the 
uh, opposite situation with Darth Maul, how he was just so clinging to whatever little life that he had and using the dark side to fuel his hate to keep him alive all those years. That's kind of like, I think it's the way to view how the Sith try to gain immortality where they just want to stay on this physical plane. They can do whatever they want or gonna try whatever possibilities to try to stay there and not die out and go to like a spiritual plane or whatever. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see either way of, if that is not Luke's guarding a Sith tomb, if it is Darth Plagueis, and just how is it going to incorporate that? So, I'm still kind of on the mindset that I would like it to be more like Sith not being in the spirit realm and just having it be like where he's dead, he's trying to be resurrected, but maybe slowly his conscience is coming back. But Luke's trying to prevent like him from fully coming back and being a physical manifestation again. So it should be interesting to say the least if it all does play out that way. But, yeah, for sure. I mean, the other thing, though, is, you know, it definitely seems like uh, it's not like Luke's just hanging out there trying to keep him from coming back, but he's trying to prevent Kylo Ren from getting to yeah. this tomb because, um, you know, they, they think that Kylo Ren has access to the tomb or knows how to open it or resurrect whatever, whatever Sith is inside. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, really cool sounding stuff there. Um, we've got some more rumors here again some stuff that we've heard before saying that um you know ray is an alias and she's actually han and leia's daughter um which also, is going to be the worst kept secret of the movie if they're going to try to <laughs> keep it a secret yeah well it also sounds like i mean i don't know if you read this part because it also kind of deals with how the characters all come together at the beginning but um it doesn't sound like it's going to be a secret for very long yeah i think that's part of the might have been one of the secrets or paragraphs i skipped over on this article like the whole meetup stuff for ray finn and poe like eh, don't want to find that out just yet yeah well basically it was like when she first meets up with uh, with finn and poe you don't know who she is but as soon as they meet han solo he's like what are you guys doing with my daughter Uh, i I gotcha (laughs) but um yeah Yeah. so again like you said it's a badly kept secret but i don't think it'll be that big of a secret once we actually see the movie you know it's not going to be like the i am your father at the end yeah. of empire strikes back yeah which would be the smart thing to do really <laughs> yeah. yeah you know everyone's gonna know beforehand yeah <laughs> now there are a couple other rumors about some different family relationships and stuff that might be um you know a, a bit more of a significant plot twist later on yeah and that actually is one that I mean, we've talked about on this podcast of something that I personally want to see. And when I read it here, it kind of made me more excited for it. Like, yes, this is the direction I really wanted to go in. And that's regarding Kylo Ren, where it's, I think that instead of Ray being the big secret of being Han and Leia's daughter, it's going to be Kylo Ren probably, who's going to be the one that gets revealed later on and maybe throw some curves to not necessarily make you think so, where he actually is uh, Ray's brother and the son of Han and Leia too. And I've said it before on other episodes, but I really like this idea of him being the other child of them. Not because of the whole EU, Jason and Jaina thing, but I just really think it would be a great way for the story to go for me to have a sibling rivalry in this story throughout the whole trilogy. To have the main clash, we had father and son for the original trilogy, so I think it'd be really cool to have a brother and sister uh, as like the protagonist and the antagonist in this whole new trilogy. I think that'd be really cool. And the idea that because also in this report too with Ray is kind of she's the character who really doesn't want to embrace her Jedi heritage in here, but where Kylo Ren is the opposite, where he does and he's wants to 
kind of live up to the legacy of his grandfather, Darth Vader. When I read that in the report, I was like, oh, that's really cool. How that's kind of his driving force to be like his grandfather. And it also adds to some of the other rumors we were hearing too about him being like a Sith artifact collector and knows the history of the Sith and the Jedi. So all that stuff, when I read it, just <laughs> made me super excited. It's like, it's such a cool way for the story to go. It's like, this is out of everything I've read in this report, this is the one where I was glad to read because we speculated on this possibility and the one that I'm really, really hoping ends up being true because I think it'd be for an awesome, awesome story. Yeah, no, something else here that was really interesting um, was not just that he could be, uh, you know, part of the Solo family and also the main villain in the film, but that also he is part of the Rebel Alliance, that he's an X-Wing pilot, and that he's just sort of, um, you know, the the guy who seems to be on the side of the good guys and, but, you know, sort of has his own agenda, does some shady stuff, and then at some point you find out that, whoa, this guy's really gone off the deep end, which makes me think that... um, you know, maybe we'll see some other villain at the start of the film. You know, maybe it'll just be the Imperials, you know, the, the Chrome Stormtrooper commander, if that's, you know, going to be Gwendolyn Christie or whatever. Um, and that, uh, you know, Kylo Ren won't, you know, he he might not be like the Darth Vader figure that comes in right at the beginning of the movie. And we see that mm-hmm. armor and the mask and the lightsaber and everything uh, right from the beginning, but that for for some of the movie you think he's kind of a good character and then uh towards the end it's like you know you find out that he's secretly been collecting sith armor and he's got this radically different lightsaber and he's just you know suddenly goes totally bad guy um so yeah i mean i'm I'm really excited now to see how that plays in because we had also seen um like a while back when some of those leaked uh, set images came out um, when they were shooting in like those grassy hilly yeah. areas where they had the X wings and stuff. Um, somebody snapped a picture of a, a guy with like longish hair in um, an X wing pilot jumpsuit. And some people were saying like, Oh, that's Adam driver. I guess he's going to be playing an X wing pilot and not the main villain. And, you know, I was skeptical because I was like, no, we've heard so many rumors saying he's going to be the main villain of the film. Like, why would he be an X-Wing pilot? That's just going to be, you know, that either could be him going undercover and maybe, you know, trying to infiltrate the rebels or something, or it's just an extra who happens to kind of look like him. But now suddenly it's like, oh, this kind of makes more sense. Um, You know, maybe that actually was him. And maybe, you know, like I said, he seems like a good guy at first. And then you, you find out he's just sort of the the rebellious child rather than uh, the, the straight up, you know, sort of tyrant bad guy for the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's just going to be cool to kind of see like the different paths. Uh, if they are in fact, siblings, Ray and uh, Kylo Ren take in the course of this movie, Ray being more reluctant to become a Jedi or use the force, but then she has to out of necessity. And then Kylo Ren kind of wanting that more than anything, but uh, is not able to for whatever reason. Maybe Luke doesn't train him because he's been gone or Luke refused to train him, whatever the reason's going to be. But then to see him uh, more than likely go down the dark side, especially if uh, when we see in the trailer him igniting that red lightsaber. So, yeah, again, I just really, really like the story possibilities be- between those characters. So that's when that got me really excited when I read it. But there was another thing, that Kylo Ren stuff, and then another thing that just sounded really interesting to me and you know me and stormtroopers so <laughs> when i saw this report about uh it was actually the third 
uh, email listed in here that Megan Star Wars received saying that the stormtroopers are going to have more humanity to them and that a few actors slash extras were given lines and we see troopers without their helmets. And here's the interesting part. There's actually going to be some alien stormtroopers if this ends up being true. It says that uh, in this email, it's a uh, weak way and a Rodian trooper. There are in one sting in a hangar and also a female stormtrooper. And then it just says there's one uh, scene that was described as like an, one of the aliens getting uh, like involved, like getting belittled by an Imperial officer. So when I read that, I was like, oh, man, that's something I didn't even think about. Alien stormtroopers? Like, it's just hard for me to picture if I see a stormtrooper take off the helmet and I see a Rodian <laughs> in there. It's like, well... Maybe the S- the Empire is in desperate times right now, and they're just kind of recruiting or forcing people to be recruited. It's whoever they want. Like, they just can't uh, be strict with humans, and they're going to go with aliens. But that's mm-hmm. one that really caught my attention when I read that. Like, that's going to be something totally different and not expecting, and maybe even a little weird. It's something I'd have to get used to. So I don't know if you felt the same way, if that caught your interest. But, like, that really stood out to me when I read it out of a lot of the stuff in this report. Yeah, that definitely could be interesting. I mean, I wasn't surprised by the female stormtrooper just because, I mean, it seems like they're they're trying to head in that direction yeah. a little bit more now anyways. I mean, if you read the book A New Dawn, um, it even describes a couple of female stormtroopers in there, even though we never see any in the original trilogy. And, you know, by all accounts from the EU and stuff, Emperor Palpatine pretty much ran things like... Um, you know, men are better than women and humans are better than aliens and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was on, you know, a, a really strict, um, regime with not a whole lot of diversity or anything like that. Um, but the, you know, the fact that they're not only going to have human females, but also, uh, you know, aliens in here, I'm like that, that could definitely be interesting. I mean, on the one hand, it's not that hard for me to believe, but then also, like you said, like, you know, it's one thing to just try to picture it or imagine it. It's going to be another thing the first time we see a Rodian in Stormtrooper armor. Like, I don't know, that might be kind of weird. But um, it, it certainly is a, a different change of pace. Um, and I'm, I'd be interested to find out who's running the Empire um, in, you know, in this, uh, this version of the movie, you know, where we're at now. Because um, in a lot of these... Uh, rumors in here it sort of references uh, multiple times that the Empire has definitely grown in power that they weren't uh, completely defeated at the Battle of Endor um, and that they might not quite be as powerful as they were under Palpatine and not definitely not quite as united like there's some different factions and different groups and stuff but they're more or less all sort of unified by one sort of ruling group or figure or something. And so, I don't know, maybe there'll be a new emperor. Maybe it's just a council of imperial admirals or something who's, uh, you know, in charge of things. Um, but, it, you know, so it definitely seems like there'll be some interesting changes, but at the same time, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, emperor, the empire is still very much a dominant force in the galaxy. Yeah, I think you mentioned there, too, that they're a little more stronger than the rebellion's going to be or the new republic's going to be in yeah. by the time episode seven starts so yeah it should be interesting with these stormtroopers maybe them being aliens can help them shoot better <laughs> 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 that's what's the problem like, you know what these humans they can't shoot that much let's try aliens <laughs> and yeah then we're maybe. gonna see them wreak havoc that we're all waiting for <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, you know, we, we should probably get moving on here, but a couple other interesting things I wanted to mention, um, you know, I won't go over everything in this article, but, uh, they did, uh, reinforce a couple of rumors we had talked about maybe a couple episodes back with, um, a certain Imperial officer who may have family ties to a certain Jedi master in the movie. Um, some stuff about super weapons and some people trying to, um, you know, undermine the efforts of the, the Republic and the Empire to build super weapons. Um, there's some interesting stuff in here about Princess Leia um, sort of being um, almost like a martyr for the rebels, except she hasn't been killed, obviously, but she's, uh, you know, a big prominent Republic figure who's gone into hiding uh, because of, you know, how much power the Empire has at this point. Um, and so she's sort of recognized as like the figurehead of the rebellion almost, but at the same time, you know, can't really do anything to to sort of step up and lead openly because the empire would go after her head. So she's kind of in hiding, um, working in the shadows a little bit more, but she is kind of still being a, a diplomat and a negotiator and getting, uh, the huts and some different bounty hunters and criminal groups to, um, you know, fund the, the construction of the rebels, super weapons and sort of, um, help the, the Alliance slash Republic slash whatever the good guys are going to be in this movie, um, get them to, uh, you know, fight back against the empire sort of in exchange for, for leniency. Um, so basically the, the huts are like, okay, you guys sort of turn a blind eye to all our criminal activities and we'll help you fight back the empire. Cause if they take over, like they're going to screw us over as much as they are you. So nobody wants that. Um, so that's kind of an interesting situation, especially when you consider that it was Princess Leia who was in the gold bikini chained up to Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> so you would think if anyone has a right to, you know, just despise Hutts outright, it's her. Um, so that should be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, I want to see you make reference to that at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, and then also, too, that goes, like you were mentioning, how uh, brings up the report of the super weapons again. And this kind of contradicts what we're talking about on the previous episode, it might have been our last one, of how, you know, getting, like, the Death Star 3 and that, actually, the Rebels building the Death Star 3 and to counter the new Imperial weapon. This doesn't mention that at all, but it does mention that the Rebels have their own, like, uh, weapon to sabotage, like, being described as an EMT to, like, take over, take out the new Imperial weapon. What they're saying is not on a planet, but, like, a new ship, kind of like a, its own Star Destroyer, that's its own weapon. So and it also described it too, as far as like its main weapon being like the seismic charge from Attack of the Clones, as is how it's used to um, pretty much just, like send shockwaves through the core of a planet and then splits it in two. So we'll yeah, see which that one. That sounds ends. really cool. It does sound cool. It just makes you think of like which one's actually going to be the more accurate one. The stuff we've heard about a like planet being the weapon, or in the Death Star three, or what's going on in this report. I I gotta say, since our last episode, like kind of i was more i was okay with it then but i'm more liking the idea of the republic or rebels kind of having the shoe on the other foot where they have the death star i just kind of like that idea so it should be interesting to see which one pans out in the end but i'm kind of pulling for that death star one now i don't know i think that might be one too many familiar things in here um i Maybe mean it, call it, it, it could work <laughs> but i i do like this idea of you know them just having a big emp uh, pulse weapon that can, you know, shut down any ship and, uh, you know, crash all these big star destroyers and stuff. And then 
I, I don't like the name that they're using to describe this Imperial ship, which is, which is the super extreme Star Destroyer. Um, I'm like, okay, let's <laughs> just that. throw more adjectives in front of it. Like, we had Star Destroyers, then we had, you know, the Super De- Star Destroyer I was okay with, but now Super Extreme Star Destroyer. It's like, in Episode <laughs> 9, they're going to have the Ultra Super Extreme Star Destroyer, and I'm like, no, nah, just come up with something original for it. Yeah, it's like but, all those uh, Street Fighter sequels, like Street Fighter 2, Super, like Super Turbo Remix HD. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but the... Uh, the description of this weapon that the Star Destroyer basically has a giant version of Django Fed seismic charge that it fires into a planet's core and just sends out shockwaves and, and splits the planet apart. That sounds really cool. Um, like, possibly even more cool than the Death Star just firing a laser and blowing yeah. up a planet. Like, I want to see this. So this is, you know, just one more on the list of, of rumors on here that I hope ends up being true. And then the one last thing I'll mention even though there's way more stuff on here. And if you want to go and read all these in detail, you can, you know, look it up on making star Wars.net or we've got links to it on our, uh, and on Twitter and stuff. But, uh, the one other thing on here I thought was really cool. Um, it says the force Wagons features a scene involving limb loss. And I was thinking, Oh, well, somebody gets their hand or their arm chopped off with a lightsaber or something, which pretty much happens in every star Wars movie. So that's nothing new. But then it says the character is said to provoke a main character and Chewbacca, Chewbacca basically pulls their arm out of its socket. And I'm like, yes, please. I've been wanting to see that for so long. Uh, yeah. It's like as cool as that would be to see. I'm not counting on that to make it in there. I'd be actually be surprised if they do that. I mean, if anything, maybe it'll be a droid he rips the arm out of the sockets, but I don't think he's going to do it to kind of like any living being, really. I'd be surprised. Yeah. Well, I mean, it could be kind of like an off-screen thing where it's more of just a sort of an in-joke for people who remember that line from the original trilogy. I'm not expecting to actually see a shoulder get severed from a socket <laughs> and see, like, blood spurting everywhere, but... um You know, if they frame the shot right and it's, you know, some guy trying to hit on Ray in a cantina or something and Chewie just comes up behind him and you you see Chewie just holding the guy's hand up by his head and you don't even see the rest of the guy in the bottom of the frame and then you just see Chewie pull upwards and hear the guy scream and it's like we all know what just happened <laughs> he didn't let the Wookiee win how awesome would it be if it was uh, the offspring of Ponda Baba <laughs> it's the tragedy of their family <laughs> But, yeah, we'll see about that one. <laughs> it would be cool. I agree with you there. Just, uh, that's one I'm not counting on. But yeah, the I'm closest sure thing we've ever seen to that is there was a deleted scene from the young Jedi arc in the Clone Wars uh, when Gunji, the little youngling Wookiee, um, like basically jumps on a uh, – I think it was like a commando droid or something. Like a couple of the other younglings like cut its legs off. Uh, with their lightsabers and then Gunji just like jumps on top of the thing and actually pulls its arms out of its sockets Um, and it was not even like a fully animated deleted scene it was just in sort of like the rough like animatic form and I watched that and it made me so happy and at the same time I was like who cut that from the episode what is wrong with you And if that seems like that is in the movie, I can guarantee that's going to get like a big applause and cheers from the audience. Yes, <laughs> and I will be leading the applause. <laughs> yes, I probably would be following too. <laughs> so, yeah, please make that happen. Um, all right, so that's The Force Awakens rumors. And then um, 
man, these Battlefront rumors oh, yeah. <laughs> sound so cool. I think this one I will actually go and just read through the list here because um, it's th- th- these are definitely shorter paragraphs than, uh, than the Force Awakens rumors that they had. But uh, yeah, this is just a, a whole compilation of uh, rumors about info about the next Star Wars Battlefront game that they got over at MakingStarWars.net. Um, so just going through the bullet points here, it says the story of Battlefront's campaign will span pretty much the entire Star Wars saga. It'll feature segments in which you play as both the good guys and the bad guys. Um, and they, they say like rebel, uh, Republic rebellion, old Republic, but then they specified later, they're not talking about like Knights of the old Republic. They're just sort of, um, sort of delineating between, the Republic of the prequel trilogy and the Republic sort of the new Republic, I guess of episode seven in the sequel trilogy Um, says it was specifically stated that there will be a small portion of prequel trilogy content. You'll participate in a couple of battles from star Wars, the clone wars. And I'm like, Oh heck yes. Um, And the space battle of Coruscant from the beginning of revenge of the Sith. Um, The majority of the campaign will take place during the original trilogy era all the battles and settings that you would expect to be there are playable. Um, it, it's said that the campaign itself is pretty long when compared to other first-person shooters, so that's always good to hear because, you know, as much as I could just sit and play Battlefront online all day, um, it'll be pretty cool to have an actual, uh, you know, in-depth story campaign too, so I'm pretty excited for that. Um, Especially when most first-person shooter campaigns are short anyway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, there will be some segments of the campaign that take place between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, but there won't be a lot because, in their words, Lucasfilm has a lot of plans for that era. Um, the last section of the campaign takes place before and during the opening segments of The Force Awakens, but nothing too revealing because the game comes out before the movie comes out. Um, for both The Republic and The Empire, you will be playing characters that actually appear in The Force Awakens. Uh, EA and DICE were allowed into Pinewood Studios for a few days to scan and capture prop sets and stuff for recreation in the game. Um, At one point during either the portion between 6 and 7 or the portion from the beginning of The Force Awakens, a character with the last name Tarkin appears. Um, So that's something interesting that sort of pertains more to the movie itself than the game. I don't know if we'd heard that rumor before. There's been talk or like... Rumors going out, maybe it's possible that Domino Gleason's not Luke's uh, a son. He's like related to Tarkin in some way. But that was one of the points mentioned in the rumor report we were just talking about, where they were saying like, no, Domino Gleason's not uh, Tarkin's son. He's he might be Luke's son. But there's still that rumor going on about he, Tarkin's going to be there, like or not the Tarkin, but his uh, lineage, I guess, is going might be present in the movie some way. Yeah. Um. The the scale of the multiplayer is going to be absolutely massive, uh, with up to sixty four players participating on each side. But then they clarified that late, they clarified that later and said that uh, it's just going to be sixty four player battles um, with thirty two on each side, which is still pretty big. Yeah, can um, you imagine sixty four? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I mean, when I first read that, I was like, "Wow, that is going to be awesome." But I mean, even thirty two on each side—that's going to yeah. be pretty sweet. I mean, that I think is sort of the top standard right now that they're doing with like the battlefield and call of duty games and stuff like that. So battle uh, battlefront will be right up there with all those. Just please have it all worked out and all the bugs taken out before it launches. Cause that's one of the curses of the battlefield games that dice has developed. So I just hope they have enough time to get it all worked out. Yeah. Um, and then 
probably my absolute favorite bit of info here. Uh, space to land battles are absolutely happening, but will only be available in certain game modes. I'm like, I don't care if it's only happening in certain game modes, as long as it's happening. Like, yeah. <laughs> if it was only on one map, I would just play that one map over and over again, and I wouldn't even care. Especially um, after seeing the tons of those like leaked video footages of Battlefront Three that never happened, yeah. all the early stages of that that looks so cool. And this, uh, is that, yeah. know, this generation cycle, oh, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, well, yeah, it was like if you could do it on the Xbox 360, you better be able to do it on the Xbox yeah, One. But exactly. at the same time, I mean, I remember reading that when when Battlefront Three went down, um, when the uh, who was a Free Radical when their version was canceled that it was like some proprietary technology that they had developed to be able to do that. And that, uh, you know, that tech went down with their company or whatever. Um, but it sounds like dice has figured out how to do that as well. And, uh, yeah, man, that is going to be so cool. Cause that, I mean, for years, that was like the one thing that I was looking forward to in battlefront three, when we were seeing all those, you know, leaked gameplay videos and stuff. Um, I was like, I can only dream about how awesome that would be. I know, man. Uh, curious to see what planets are going to do it for. It. <laughs> like you said, no matter which one they do, it's going to be like so cool to play it like that, regardless. Yeah. Um, and then there will be a hero system in, in place where you accumulate points that you can eventually cash in to play as a hero character. Um, and this is interesting. It says the system is constantly in flux, but as it is now, pretty much everyone has a chance to play as a hero at least once per match. So with 64 players in a battle... I'm like, that's pretty crazy. Unless yeah. each team has multiple hero units, um, you know, maybe you're playing as the Empire and one person gets to play as Darth Vader and one person gets to be Boba Fett and one person gets to be, I don't know, an Imperial Commando or something like that. Um, but if it's just like one Jedi hero per each team and everybody on the team is going to get to play as them, it's like, well... Either that hero is is going to get killed really quickly and then pass on to the next person, or these battles are going to be super long. I know. I'm really um, curious to see how it's going to work because I thought Battlefront Two uh, did it really good as far as how uh, it worked. That I was worried to be the hero character, but yeah, this is a kind of funny description. How I say that pretty much everyone's going to have a chance to play once per match. Like you said, it's more I'm more leaning towards it's going to be a short amount of time you're able to play as a character, and then it's going to switch to someone else, or the next, maybe someone who has the next highest score, or something like that. Yeah, but the other thing I'm wondering about is because um, and because from what we know so far, it does seem like this game is going to be more of a first-person shooter than a third-person shooter, so maybe um, I mean, maybe they won't be Jedi heroes. Maybe they'll just be, like, more powerful units in a sense. You know, like I said, if, maybe if you're playing as the Republic, you get to play as an ARC trooper or a Republic commando or something like that. Something where it would make sense to have multiple of those units running around on the battlefield. Um, and it would be, you know, make you more powerful and you'd be able to get more kills or whatever. But you're not going to be, you know, Star Killer just tossing around everybody in sight and getting, yeah. you know, a bajillion kills. Yeah, totally. I mean, but I will say first-person shooters, or a lot of them have, like, stages or areas where the only weapon you have is a sword. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities to be, like, a first-person lightsaber battle. <laughs> you can use. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Except, I don't know, that kind of takes some of the fun out of it. Like, if you're playing as Darth Vader, but you can't see the helmet and the cape, like, all you can see yeah. is the lightsaber and the black-gloved hand. I mean, it would still be kind of cool, but it wouldn't be as cool. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Maybe they'll just make the exception for that. When you get those hero characters, it'll be third person. 
Yeah, and I would certainly be fine with that too. But um, I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, then it also says the downloadable content plan for the game is extremely aggressive in quotation marks. Um, up to five DLC packs for the game with the first coming out before the end of 2015. Each pack will be themed with the first two or three being ex- being exclusively based around content from The Force Awakens. Um, again, not surprising at all. You know, I, I've predicted that before, that just knowing EA and the way they do things with Battlefield and stuff like that, that there's going to be DLC map packs. But that's pretty exciting because then, you know, the game comes out before The Force Awakens so it won't have a whole lot of episode seven content in there, but then you can get more of it later through DLC packs. And then, you know, hopefully we'll get some more clone wars maps or some more prequel maps or something like that. So, um, that should be really cool as well. Um, let's see the game will ship with several force awakens characters already, but some will be added as DLC. Um, specifically all the characters in the trailers will be available at launch as long as, uh, as well as, uh, new versions of the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter. Um, tons of new ships and vehicles, which I'm really hoping, I mean, this is like my pipe dream, but because they do say they're including stuff from the Clone Wars and they're saying tons of new ships and vehicles, I'm hoping one of those new ships is Anakin's custom Jedi Starfighter from the Clone Wars micro-series which is like one of my favorite ships in all of Star Wars. And really the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I just bought the Lego set of that thing over the weekend and then <laughs> went back and watched the Clone Wars micro series on DVD again and was like, man, I forgot how much I love that ship. Yeah, uh, I want to get your hopes up, Kyle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> my, my hopes aren't up very high, but I would be super happy. I mean, just the fact that they made a Lego set of that now, because that thing just came out like last month. And I didn't even know about it until, like, last week when I was reading, I don't know, a Lego press release from Toy Fair. And they're talking about um, all the the new Lego sets that are coming out kind of for, like, the first half of this year. Um, And I saw that one on there that it had just come out, like, in January. It was already in stores now. I'm like, I didn't even know this thing was out. I've always wanted a Lego set of that ship, but never expected it would actually happen. Especially now when we've got, you know, the newer Clone Wars series that has pretty much superseded the micro series in every way um so i'm like i don't know somebody at lucasfilm approved them bringing this thing back from the dead now so i don't know it's possible but i'm not getting my hopes up too much but that would be a dream come true if that was in there i mean that could be in a dlc pack for all i care i would buy that dlc pack like the minute it hits the xbox marketplace yeah, it's interesting that you said it just came out as a Lego set. Like, why would they go back to and that Clone Wars micro series that they tried so hard to forget about, really, and not do anything about it? Because it's a freaking awesome ship, yeah. and even Lucasfilm <laughs> can't deny it, and so they're going to put it in Battlefront now. Uh, I'm not going to argue that it would be cool to see, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Um, plus it says the contents of each DLC will contain at least three new maps, new hero characters, and new vehicles and ships. So if it's not in the game at launch, there's plenty of opportunities to add it in a DLC pack. Yeah. Man, this uh, game's going to be like a no-brainer for me to get the season pass for like the DLC stuff. <laughs> like, you know, pretty much all the DLC is going to be awesome stuff you're going to want to play. So like, might yeah. as well just sign up for that season pass. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then it says... Uh, I guess maybe this is Jason Ward at uh, 
at Making Star Wars said, um, I saw a character model for the new Stormtroopers, the model of the new X-Wings, and some random models of guns, grenades, and other things like that. Um, But the most interesting was a picture of a screen from one of the employee databases. Um, He says it was a checklist that the department heads can go through to see what has been complete, what has been bug tested, etc. It was basically just a black screen with lines of text. Um, But basically he, he lists some of the planets that are... Um, listed for like maps in the multiplayer mode um, and it says Hoth episode 5, Endor episode 6 Alderaan, Coruscant, Yavin episode 4 um, and then Tatooine episode 1 Tatooine episode 4 and Tatooine episode 7 um, now the fact that he says this is the most interesting thing he saw, I'm like really? Everybody knows Tatooine is going to be in episode 7 um, and I guess maybe there's still some rumors going around that it could be a different planet. And he says, uh, to finish out here, he says, now I know that's not concrete evidence that the desert planet from The Force Awakens is Tatooine, but I thought it was interesting because I know there's been some debate about that subject. Why is there debate about that subject? Uh, like, it's Tatooine. <laughs> really? I, I mean, when you think about all the rumors we've heard about for this movie and some of the more ridiculous ones that people have just accepted as fact, like... I don't know, the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio or Benedict Cumberbatch was going to be in the movie for sure back when Latino Review was spouting off, you know, all the time about this, um, you know, or, or even um, people being so certain that, uh, you know, Kylo Ren was going to be the main or that Adam Driver was going to be playing the main villain or, um, you know, that uh, Ray's character, you know, as soon as the, the names for the characters got announced and they said her name was Ray, people were going like, no, 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 that's definitely an alias. Like, she's definitely Kira Solo or, you know, she's Han and Leia's daughter and stuff. And even though we've heard more rumors to support that, it's like there have been some rumors that at the time they came out, it's like, okay, we'll take it with a grain of salt. And some people have been like, no, no, like, that's definitely happening. Like, I have it from sources that is definitely happening. And yet... The fact that the desert planet that we see in the beginning of the trailer, you know, you're still taking it with a grain of salt that that's Tatooine. Like, come on, man. It's Tatooine. We all know that. Yeah, like I said, I, I will be shocked that if it's not Tatooine. We've said it before. I will say some, like, before we saw the trailer and we've heard, like, saw some different, like, the con- the concept art leak and we've heard the possibility that it might not be Tatooine. The idea kind of crept into my head was like, no, it's got to be. Why would they do that? Why would they create a brand new desert planet and have it not be Tatooine? And then when you see the trailer, it looks like Tatooine totally. So yeah, yeah exactly. But That's like what solidified said, it for me there, in my mind. Still people out there thinking that they're not quite sure if it is Tatooine. No, I mean, yeah, like you said, when you just hear the rumors or see the the concept art or the leaked set photos or whatever. It's like, sure, you maybe don't want to take it as 100% just in case, you know, maybe it might be something else. But once you see the trailer and you see that stuff actually on screen and in motion, it's like it can't possibly be anything else. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with it there. Man. <laughs> like you said, it is funny how it's still going on. But I guess until we actually hear them say Tatooine, there's going to be those portion of fans who have that little bit of doubt where it might not be. Yeah, but anyway, I mean, that's that's the end of all those Battlefront rumors, but lots of stuff going on there, lots of really exciting information. Again, with this Battlefront stuff and with the Force Awakens stuff that we were just talking about, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. It's all still a rumor at this point. Nothing's been officially confirmed, but some of this stuff is starting to sound more and more plausible, um, especially with this Battlefront stuff. I mean, it certainly sounds like um, stuff that we pretty much have either predicted or hoped for 
uh, to appear in the game. And so, I mean, maybe it's just wishful thinking or me getting my hopes up, but this all sounds like it's probably legit. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we talked about it on the last episode. We're already super excited for this game. Um, but I think if it, if, you know, if, if the game came out and turned out to, to match this description perfectly, I think we'd be pretty happy with it, safe to say. Totally, yeah. I mean, you heard me on the last episode how I had my concern about them ignoring the prequel era and there won't be any prequel levels in there and how extremely disappointed I would have been if that was the case. But when I read this report, it made me feel a lot better. Like, okay, yeah, kind of know. I mean, you kind of have to know going in that their main focus is going to be on the OT and this in the sequels trilogy. But the fact that we're going to get some prequel stuff and possibly Clone Wars stuff, that's like the icing on the cake right there. So, yeah. If, like you said, I'm agreeing with you. Like the stuff that we're hearing seems like plausible and stuff that makes sense for it to be true. So I'm kind of with you where this, a lot of the battlefront stuff sound is legit. So, and they got me super excited for it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. ever since we saw that first trailer, we've been super excited, but the little bit of information and leaks that are coming out for it, man, it's, it's sounding awesome. And once we get like more concrete stuff for it, whether it's on celebration or E3, yeah, we're going to be blown away. <laughs> I'm yeah. And, now. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm, I said on our last episode that, uh, you know, it was almost sort of like a pipe dream for me that the, that they would have Clone Wars stuff included in it. And now in this report, he's saying, you know, yeah, it's going to have some stuff from the prequels and, you know, a couple of things from the Clone Wars. And I'm like, sweet. I hope it's got, you know, Umbara or the Clone Wars Geonosis or, you know, whatever else, or, you know, Kristoffsis, Teth, uh, you know, any of those other uh, cool battles, but yeah, on our last episode when we were talking about it and you were talking about, uh, you know, they better not exclude the prequel stuff. And I was like, calm down, Tim, they're going to have prequel <laughs> stuff in it. And then as soon as I saw this report, I was like, Tim, look, prequel stuff. Yeah. <laughs> look, sir, excited. droids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So because needless to say, when I saw this, like, uh, thank you. But <laughs> called my worries out. But again, not officially confirmed yet, but it's looking like it where it's I mean, how can they not? It'd just be such a waste of content not to use and they'd be limiting themselves. So this just makes total sense for them to have stuff from that era. So yeah. Thankfully it looks like that's gonna be the case. Yep. All right. Now let's move on to the uh, spinoff films um, where we had quite a bit of casting news going on the past couple weeks, um, mostly just regarding this first standalone film that is going to start shooting pretty soon sometime this year. Um, we've already heard uh, you know Aaron Paul and a couple other names being thrown around for the male leads, and now we had uh, some reports about some uh, actresses being considered for the lead female role. Um, so first there was this report from the Hollywood reporter, uh, saying that, uh, actresses Tatiana Maslany, uh, Rooney Mara and Felicity Jones were kind of the, the three front runners for, um, you know, whatever this main female lead is going to be. Um, and then we heard some more reports saying that, uh, Kate Mara, who's Rooney Mara's sister was also, you know, had sort of joined in the running. So it was like this top four group. Um, and then we heard one report saying that uh, Tatiana Maslany had, had apparently landed the role or that she was uh, supposed to be the front runner. Um, but then we heard another report uh, more recently after that from uh, both The Hollywood Reporter and Variety. Uh, so this isn't 
confirm, but you know, it's one of those things where it's like, take it with a grain of salt, but it can be a small grain of salt because these are pretty reputable sources uh, saying that Felicity Jones has actually uh, landed the lead role in the film. Um, again, nothing official or confirmed here, but it's looking like this is probably going to be pretty likely. We still have no real concrete evidence on, uh, you know, what the story is going to be for this film, except that it might be about Han Solo and or Boba Fett. Um, but we have no idea who this main female character is going to be or really what the, the story is going to kind of be about. But, um, I mean, it's great to hear that, you know, we've got a lot of casting rumors and stuff going around for this movie now. Um, and that it should be hopefully not too long before we, I don't know, maybe get another, uh, press release revealing the the full cast for this movie as I'm sure it's going to be. Uh, starting filming pretty soon here. I think, do we do we have a date for that? I, I thought maybe I had heard April somewhere as like a potential date for when they're going to start filming it. I even heard actually could have been like sooner, like like end of February, March type thing, but I'm not sure if that's still the case anymore. So I yeah, think well, I don't know about end of February. It's going to be earlier like than when week. The Force Awakens started, like a month or two before. Yeah, because, well, The Force Awakens started filming in May, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, maybe March or April. Um, heck, maybe they'll just release, or maybe they'll announce the cast while they're at Celebration, and they'll, <laughs> uh, you know, they'll be like, "Hey, by the way, the first standalone film starts shooting next week, and uh, here's who's going to be in it." That's what I was thinking too. Really, I mean, if we don't hear anything by March, when March is over and we hit April, I think they might as well just save it for Celebration. Maybe they'll announce a panel like titled "The Future of Star Wars Film" or something like that, and then we'll get the full details on that, what the movie's going to be about, the cast reveal, have, hopefully have some of them on stage. Maybe Felicity Jones will be part of that. I mean, because we should be hearing about this really soon because when the report came out from the Hollywood Reporter and Variety that Felicity Jones had been cast in the lead female role, it was reminding me the times when The Force Awakens uh, casting rumors or reports started coming about from the Hollywood Reporter and Variety. We were talking about this earlier, how, the, one of the main actors, Adam Driver, was reported like a few months before we got the official announcement. But like a, a few days before, I don't think it even was a week, but you heard like the Hollywood Reporter and Variety saying, okay, we got a group of actors who have been cast in episode seven. It was like um, uh, Oscar Isaac, I believe, was one of them, and I believe John Boyega. And then like not too long after that, we got the official announcement. So when I heard Felicity Jones, it kind of made me think, okay, maybe we're going to get something like in the next few days or a week or two. But so far, nothing yet, and like I said, we'll see if we get anything in, by the end of February and March. But if we don't, I'm thinking of uh, it would be the best way and a cool way for us to get the announcement at Celebration. I mean, if they can reveal certain big things at Celebration, that would be cool where we can experience like sitting at a panel and find out things for the first time for one of these standalone movies. I think would be really cool. Yeah, but, I mean, keep in mind... It, it would be cool if they had a panel and maybe announced the cast and talked a little bit about the movie, but I doubt they're going to have a whole panel's worth of information to reveal about the standalone film because we don't even know a whole panel's worth of information about The Force Awakens at this point. That's true. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm actually thinking, I, I've talked about this with uh, you know our friend Jason Hunt over at the Wampas Lair podcast, but we're thinking about going to uh, Phoenix Comic Con this year in May after Celebration and trying to host a Star Wars panel. Um, and of course I'm thinking at that point we'll have just been at celebration like a month before. So we'll be able to come back and give people the scoop on, you know, all the stuff we learned there. But at this point, like if I were going to host a, a star Wars panel at a convention tomorrow, 
most of the stuff I would talk about would probably be the rumors about, you know, where's Luke going to be at the beginning of the movie? And, uh, you know, is Ray really Han and Leia's daughter and what's going on with all these different characters and stuff? Cause we still really don't know a whole lot of official information about the plot and the characters and what the movie is actually about. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know that Han and Luke and Leia are going to be in it. Um, we know, you know, five of the names of, of some of the other main characters. We know that the Millennium Falcon is back and that we've got some X-Wings and TIE Fighters and, uh, you know, a, a really cool-looking new lightsaber and stuff. But we still, you know, we haven't heard any sort of official plot synopsis or anything like that. So I highly doubt that they would do a panel and be like, okay, guys, so even though we still haven't told you anything about the, the movie that's coming out in December, the one that's coming out next year... Uh, you know, it's going to be about Han and Boba Fett. And guess what? They're teaming up. Like, bet you didn't see that coming. And they're going to go do this, that, and the other thing. And then Felicity Jones is going to play this character and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So as much as that would be cool, I wouldn't expect a whole lot of information revealed on uh, on the first standalone film at Celebration. Yeah, that's a fair point, too. I mean, maybe we could just, it could be like one of the shorter panels. Maybe one of you did a panel like, uh, an announcement slash panel or something where you got like Gareth Edwards and uh, maybe uh, the Gary Witta and the new writer who's taking over for it and kind of not necessarily saying details, but it's just kind of revealing certain like characters, what's it about, where it's taking place and then the cast for it. So I don't know. I think something like that would be cool. But like you said, it's a good point where <laughs> it would have to be a short panel of, or an announcement type thing and not like the normal, like, 45 minutes to an hour panel because that'd be a lot to cover. They probably don't want to reveal too much stuff when the movie's still going to be almost two years out. So Yeah. I mean, maybe with The Force Awakens, it just has to do with J.J. Abrams and how much he likes to keep his secrets. But I would have to think that part of it has to be, you know, Lucasfilm and Disney and everybody, too, just trying to keep the stories a surprise and not spoil everything ahead of time. So, um yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe they could do a panel where they announce the cast and then bring all the cast out, and then they sit there for 45 minutes not really revealing much and just talking about how excited they are to yeah. be in Star Wars and how they got the casting call in the first place and yada, yada, yada. And that's usually how they do, like, the announcements for Bond films, right? It was like they kind of have, like, a like a press conference type thing where you get the actors and the director and stuff and kind of they reveal the title. And I, I'm not too sure. I'm not the biggest Bond fan out there, but I'm not sure how much they reveal. But I know they do have like some press conferences where they announce the new movie. And I assume they share some details. So maybe be something like that. Yeah, you know, that now way. that you mentioned it, I think I do remember hearing something like that. Like they have a little, um, you know, press event or something just where they reveal the title of the new film. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they haven't revealed a lot of information about the next Bond film either because, I mean, we know who, like, a couple of actors are in that and what the title of it is. And I think just maybe a couple of weeks ago I remember seeing they released the first official still image of the film Then it was basically just Daniel Craig wearing, like, I don't know, some kind of night vision goggles or something. But, um yeah, I don't know. I mean, at the same time, though, I, I do kind of like that some of these movie companies still like to keep their secrets and have people be surprised when they go see the movie for the first time and not just, like, spoil everything at Comic-Con. Yeah. But going back to Felicity Jones uh, reportedly being cast for it, I mean, when it's coming from The Hollywood Reporter and Variety, it's like 99% <laughs> where it's probably going to happen. Like, the only thing you get more official than hearing stuff from them is when it's on StarWars.com. But... 
it, with Felicity Jones, she's an actress. I really haven't seen too much of her work. I think the only thing I've really seen was her small role in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which really wasn't much, and she was fine in it. But um, it's kind of hard for this movie since we don't know exactly what it is as far as to, like, speculate it, like who she can be or, like, what type of role she's going to be playing. Because, like, we know absolutely nothing, just rumors, like, okay, is it going to be a space, like, pirate movie with Han Solo? Maybe she's going to play, like... Like a, like see, it depends where it is. Is it going to be like way before like uh, a New Hope or in between somewhere from the Force Awakens? Like who knows where it's going to be? So, or is it going to be the Bounty Hunter Boba Fett movie? Is she going to be playing a Mandalorian or a, another Bounty Hunter who was his rival, or they team up somehow? So it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly who she's going to be playing in regards to kind of what the Force Awakens the cast where. We didn't know who the characters were, but we can kind of put the pieces together as far as like who they may play. Like Daisy Ridley's playing Han Solo and Leia's daughter, and then speculate on Domino Gleason being Luke's son or something like that. But it's really hard to do that since we don't know what exactly this movie's going to be. Yeah, um, and of course, I- I've heard the the inevitable speculation too with Felicity Jones' character that she could be playing Ahsoka or Asajj Ventress. And, <laughs> Those are always um, going to pop up, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, on the one hand, I do kind of think, I'm like, she has the looks to pull off Ventress in a Clone Wars movie, but since we're, you know, assuming that this movie's going to take place closer to the original trilogies, like Ventress would be older, and I think... Um, you know, I, I'm not really familiar with her her work either, but I think she's probably like mid to late twenties or something like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, doesn't seem likely that that would be the case, but it's possible. Yeah, the one thing I think would be pretty cool if they do do a Boba Fett movie or Bounty Hunters, or maybe not even Bounty Hunters of Boba Fett, but a Mandalorian movie. Like, if she plays like a like the lead female Mandalorian in this movie, that's something to be pretty cool. I mean, there were those rumors too, which I really didn't put much stock in that Sabine was going to be like the lead female role for the first standalone movie. We're like, I don't think they're going to go that route, but maybe if the movie focuses on a group of Mandalorians and she's the lead female character, that could be pretty cool. And then Boba Fett plays a role in that too. So yeah, just kind of wishing now we're just sooner rather than later, we just get, I don't know if it's a title or just a description or just an idea of what this first standalone movie is. So we could just get more excited for it because definitely I'm excited for it, but just the idea of knowing what it's actually going to be about and what we're going to be in for, just going to add to that excitement level even more once we get it, that info. So hopefully it's soon. And hopefully if not in the next few months, that's celebration. (laughs) Yeah. But I do have to say, I I heard that rumor too, that she, could be playing Sabine or at least that the character's name was Sabine, which obviously, you know, would be really confusing if it was a different Sabine. Yeah. But I'm like, I think that would actually be kind of cool. Um, you know, if it cool, takes place but... like later during the original trilogy and she plays a little bit older version of the character, that would be pretty cool to see. Um, yeah. But... It'd be cool. Just not likely though. I just can't really see them doing that. Especially when rebels are just getting started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, that is the, the one sort of sticking point for me is that Rebels is just wrapping up its first season and to to have like an older version of the character appear in a spin-off film, you know, that takes place later down the line, it's like that seems like it might sort of limit your possibilities with the show a little bit more because then you have to make Sabine line up with whatever they're doing in the yeah. movie. Um it's like the but, not meeting Grievous all over again. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time 
that's why they've got this story group in place at Lucasfilm and they've hired people just to keep track, keep track of the continuity and make sure that all these different multimedia projects that they've got going on are all sort of meshing together. So I really wouldn't be surprised if she does end up playing Sabine because, um, you know, they've talked about how there might be some crossover, even how, um, you know, certain characters or certain elements from Rebels might appear in The Force Awakens or in the spinoff films or whatever. And it's like, it's one thing to hear them talk about it, but then to have Sabine be the lead character of one of the standalone films suddenly would be like, oh, whoa, like they were serious about this. There's going to be a lot of different crossovers between the movies and the animated series and the games and the comics and the novels and all this kind of stuff. So... Um, I don't know. It certainly is, is interesting to think about and would be something cool to see if it did happen. I think if they were to do that with Sabine, I think the best way to go would be like a not too far back prequel from when Rebel started, kind of showing her backstory because through this whole season, we hardly had anything with Sabine where it focused on her. We just really had that one episode uh, with her and Hera. And it would be kind of cool to see like what happened on Mandalore. And she talked about uh, being like being forced into the Imperial Academy and all that. And, the Empire having a presence on Mandalore. So to see kind of what they did to her, what made her join uh, the group of rebels would be cool to see. I mean, if they decided, like I said, I'm not putting too much stock in Sabine being the character in this standalone movie, but I think if that was a possibility, they were going to go that route, I think it'd be better to do a prequel to Rebels than telling a story that take place after it. Yeah, well, I could see that happening, but then, I mean, with Felicity Jones, that's obviously not going to happen because she's too old to be you know, 12 or 14 or however old yeah. Sabine was when she left Mandalore. Cause she's supposedly only like 16 in the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's so. just best to leave her alone right now. <laughs> for a standalone movie. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see where they go with it. Should definitely be interesting. I mean, seeing Sabine and Boba Fett team up, that would be pretty cool. That but. would be, Hey baby, we, no, nah, I was good. <laughs> it should be pretty old than that. Like if it was Bo-Katan or something. Yeah, Bo-Katan would definitely be older. And I just looked this up on Wikipedia. Felicity Jones is 31, so yeah, we're thinking probably like late 20s to early 30s, somewhere around there would be yeah. the character she's playing, unless they're going to do you know a whole bunch of makeup and stuff and make her older, I don't know. but um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, certainly, well, yeah, definitely not for Bo-Katan, but I'm thinking maybe for, I don't know, Ventress or something, but who knows? Exactly, yeah. We, like I said, until we get official words, like, us fans, we just can't help but speculate for the characters we do know already <laughs> to think yeah. about who these new uh, actors and actresses being cast in these movies are going to be playing. Yeah. Well, as we used to say back in the, the old days of the Force Awakens production, back when we really didn't know anything and all these rumors were really just unfounded rumors, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> we're starting that all over again for the standalone movie. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, some other news about the standalone films. Uh, Gary Whitta who was writing uh, the first standalone film, um, has left the project. Um, and a lot of people were kind of concerned about this and saying, like, oh, it's just like Michael Arndt with the first movie. Like, they must be having trouble with it. And he, you know, quit and dropped out and stuff. But the the sense I was getting, and I don't know if this has been officially confirmed, but certainly by all accounts, it kind of sounded like he had done what he came on to do. Um, you know, we, we didn't hear this stated originally when he first came on the project, but he kind of made it sound like, um, you know, they had just hired him to work on this for like a year and write the first draft of the script. And then he wanted to move on to 
do whatever else he was going to do. You know, he's a busy Hollywood screenwriter. Maybe he just wanted to move on to a different project. But, um, I mean, with Michael Arndt, it seemed kind of hush-hush. I don't remember if we actually ever heard anything from him about it. Um, but Oh, yeah, we haven't. Yeah, but Gary Whitta uh, posted on Twitter. He said, my year of work in a galaxy far, far away is done. I'm on to my next project, adapting Mark Millar's uh, Starlight for 20th Century Fox. And then he posted a picture of the front page of his script for the Star Wars movie. Um, Excluding the title, he just took a picture of the part at the bottom that says, written by Gary Whitta, based on Star Wars, created by George Lucas. And he says, this is by far the most I've ever enjoyed writing a title page. See you in 2016. Um, And then with the hashtag, may the force be with you. And so, um, yeah, it seems like he's certainly at least leaving on good terms. So, you know, if this wasn't something that was planned... Uh, from the beginning, then, you know, he, he probably um, has known for a while that this was coming, that he was just going to finish the first draft and move on. And it wasn't a sudden, abrupt change. Um, so I don't know. I'm not really worried about it. Um, and as we'll get to in a minute, um, you know, we, we've got at least a couple more rumors and reports about who might be replacing him. But um, I don't know, Tim, did this sort of, you know, set off alarms for you when you first read it? Or were you kind of in the same boat I was in? When I first saw the headline of like this report getting out that Gary, because a lot of the sites were saying like Gary Whitta like off the like replaced for the spinoff movies, like it made you think, okay, something went wrong where like they fired him or something. But that kind of caused me to go a little bit of concern. Like, man, first episode seven's writer with Michael Arndt gets replaced, and now Gary Whitta is this going to be the standard for all Star Wars movies now? But like you said, when you actually read read the articles and see the tweets from Gary Whitta and even Gareth Edwards. He had a quote saying, Gary has been a wonderful, inspired contributor, and I've enjoyed working with him tremendously. I'm so grateful for all his uh, contributions. So, like you said, it was something like it was just uh, part of the plan, really, where he did his work. He finished uh, some early drafts of the script, and that was it. And I guess once they had it, they decided they might need some rewrites, someone to polish it up, and that's how it was going to be. So, yeah. After reading all the details, it wasn't like, oh, no, I'm worried about this movie now. It's going through, like, another rewrite and all that. So everyone seemed, like, happy with the way things ended. And Gary Witta, like, those tweets that he uh, tweeted out that you read, yeah, it doesn't seem like they left on bad terms or anything. But I don't know. This is might be wrong of me to say, but as we talked about when he was first announced as the standalone writer, we went through or talked about how uh, he's not the biggest fan of the prequels, and he had some choice words to say about George Lucas and some extreme stuff to say really about it. It's how much he hates the special editions, the prequels, and even George Lucas to a certain extent. So that never really sat well with me when <laughs> he was announced. And I just kind of had the mind frame. Okay. Yeah. I, that's not my ideal to have someone who hates like those aspects of George Lucas and that part of the, the Star Wars saga that much writing a Star Wars movie. And at the same time, I was like, okay, let's see you do a better job. This is your chance to show how you could tell a better Star Wars movie than George Lucas in your mind, I guess. And now that he's off it, it's kind of like, well, maybe it's kind of for the best that who knows who's going to have the final writing credit on there. He might still have the writing credit and it'll still be his work. 
but it's like, part of me thought, well, yeah, maybe it's kind of good that he won't be like the final writer on this <laughs> anymore after all the hate he had to uh, say about George Lucas. And then to kind of erase it all from like the site or whatever he posted all that stuff from. So it's kind of like maybe a selfish thing on my part to think that way, but I just couldn't help it because he said some like pretty nasty, extreme stuff about Lucas and the prequels and all that stuff. So there was a small part of me that was kind of happy to see him off it, but. <laughs> at the same time i'm just mainly concerned about getting a great star wars movie here so that's just a little side point that i had to bring out i just couldn't hide that small fact but yeah but we're gonna move on to when we talk about the current writer for this I have some stuff to say about him too so lots <laughs> 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 of that yeah and i mean i had completely forgotten about all that stuff but i mean obviously at least gary Wooda is a you know seems like he's you know, deeply cares about Star Wars, even if it's yeah. only the original trilogy. But I mean, there's also a quote from him in the Hollywood Reporter. He said, "The year I spent working with Lucasfilm on this Star Wars film has been by far the most rewarding period of my entire career. As a lifelong Star Wars fan, I'm deeply grateful to have had the rare opportunity to contribute to a new chapter in its ongoing cinematic legacy. The film is going to be amazing." So, um, I mean, obviously he wrote it, and so you know, you would want to say that about your own work. But at the same time, I mean, I kind of want to believe him when he says that it's going to be amazing after saying how much he loved working on it and how much he loved Star Wars and everything. So hopefully this all works out for the best. Now, as you said, um, you know, we, we got some stuff about who's going to be taking over. Uh, first we got a rumor from slash film where they said that, uh, Simon Kinberg was going to be taking over the writing duties for the new film, which I thought made perfect sense. Sounds really good. We know Kinberg is, uh, you know, involved with a lot of stuff at Lucasfilm and that he's supposed to be working as a writer on some of the films in addition to, uh, you know, writing certain episodes of star Wars rebels, but we haven't heard of any films that he's writing so far. And so some people have wondered like, what is he actually doing over there? Um, and so then I thought, oh, well, if they hired Gary Whitta to just write the first draft of the spinoff film and then they had, you know, they're going to have Simon Kinberg take over and sort of rework it and just make sure it lines up with everything else they're doing at Lucasfilm and all the other movies and Rebels and all that kind of stuff makes perfect sense. But then, you know, suddenly now we, we don't know if that's necessarily the case because we've got a report from Hollywood Reporter uh, saying that Chris Weitz, who's another uh, Hollywood screenwriter, that he's the one taking over the writing duties on the standalone film. Um, and his writing credits include About a Boy, for which he was nominated for an Oscar, and uh, Disney's upcoming live-action Cinderella movie. But he's also directed movies that include A Better Life, The Golden Compass, and The Twilight Saga New Moon? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, let me just go on a brief Twilight rant here. This will be short, I promise. Um, I have seen the first two Twilight movies, the, you know, Twilight and A New Dawn, which apparently this guy directed. Um, The first Twilight movie, I kind of wanted to see just because... I mean, I didn't see it in theaters or anything, but there was like so much hype going around it. And I knew some people who absolutely loved it and some people who absolutely hated it. And I was just like, I just want to see what this all, you know, what this is all about. I didn't like really badly want to see it, but I was just kind of curious. I was like, I'll check this out. Okay, I'll buy that. So, yeah. So I watched it with a bunch of friends and it was one of this, you know, one of those movies that was like so bad that you enjoy it. 
Um, I, I watched it with, you know, like I said, a group of friends. Some were girls who actually liked it. Some were girls who didn't like it. And it was like me and a couple other guys. And the guys, we were all just like laughing all the way through it. Because, um, you know, just some of the, the dialogue and some of the more ridiculous story elements are just laughably bad. But when you watch it with a group of friends and you can all just have a good laugh about it, it's one of those enjoyably bad movies. Well, then some of those same friends who actually liked Twilight convinced me to watch the second movie with them. And for about the first half hour of this two-hour movie, it was the same kind of laughably bad stuff. Um, and then for the, the rest of it, it was just like, okay, this is getting old. I'm done. Is this over yet? And it wasn't over. And it was boring, and it kept going, and I didn't know what was going on, and I didn't want to know what was going on, and... That the the second Twilight movie is up there on my list of like worst movies I've ever seen, um, and so you know obviously that has as much to do with the source material and the actors and the writing and all that kind of stuff as it does with the director. So I'm not saying this guy is like the worst director of all time. I'm not even saying he's necessarily a bad director, but this definitely gave me pause. I mean, when you see Star Wars and Twilight on the same director's yeah. resume, you're like, wait a second. I sense a disturbance in the force. Yeah, when I was making the post for this for the site, I was like, hey, do I even want to type in Twilight <laughs> Saga New Moon as part of his credit? Like, uh... <laughs> yeah, like, like you were talking about, too, with Simon Kinberg and like how that, that would make sense and how cool that would be. But then when you got this and... But I'll have to say I haven't seen any of his movie writing credits that he has on here, and unlike you, Kyle, I think you're gonna you saw more of Twilight than I ever will. <laughs> I haven't seen any. Yeah, of his you're not missing much. But here's the thing that got me with this guy: like, so I couldn't really comment on his work. I was like, okay, I mean, he's writing the Disney Cinderella movie. Maybe that's like maybe Disney kind of encouraged Lucasfilm to take a look at him, and maybe hire him that way to polish up Gary Wood's script, but. Then I guess some fans did some digging <laughs> from as far as like his profile and some stuff on social media. And I don't know, it's something about the standalone movie that's attracting writers who aren't the biggest prequel fans because <laughs> word got out as far as him making some comments about the Phantom Menace. And there's some other tweets, but I think the only one that I actually saw that's been going around was like there was like a question going around like movies that made you cry while watching and he just put the Phantom Menace on there. And then he said some other like tweets that have like put it down and all that stuff so i don't know there's something about it where why is this movie attracting like prequel haters in a way so and then it's the worst thing is okay you're directing twilight and yeah you know the reputation for that and then you're talking that way about the phantom menace and now you're going to be possibly writing a star wars movie so this stuff like that is not sitting well with me for some reason maybe it shouldn't it's my fault maybe for thinking that way to let it hinder on my views on the writers for this movies but i don't want to say i don't have confidence in the writers and the ability to make, create a cool star wars story but it's just something that doesn't sit right from the comments that gary winter and now uh, chris white's has been making i don't know i mean like this could be an awesome movie and i expect it to be an awesome star wars movie and i'll get past that when i see it but just right now this doesn't sit right here in these comments from these writers about about criticizing George Lucas and the prequels and all that. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest. The Phantom, Phantom, bleh, the Phantom Menace certainly is not the best movie of all time by any yeah, stretch totally. of the imagination. So, um, you know, some people are going to criticize it. And there are 
some Star Wars fans like us who, you know, like all of Star Wars and like every one of the movies. And then there are some people who grew up with the original trilogy and loved it and then were severely disappointed by the prequels. And, you know, I'm not saying those people's opinions are less valid necessarily. I mean, there's, I think there's a fine line between um, just sort of hating the prequels outright and refusing to accept any of the merit that they have and anything new that they bring to the Star Wars saga, um, you know, and, and people who legitimately like gave it a shot and wanted to like those movies and it just didn't work for them. Like, I get it. It's not to everybody's liking, sure, but, yeah, totally. um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm honestly, for me, I'm more concerned with his, his body of work than, <laughs> uh, you know, the, uh, um, his, his views on the prequels, not just because of twilight, but just because the other stuff on here, aside from this movie about a boy, which I haven't seen, but it says he was nominated for an Oscar for it. So at least we can say we've got an Oscar nominated screenwriter working on the Star Wars movie. But the rest of the stuff on here just, you know, it's not terrible, but just doesn't really jump out at me as like, oh, wow, that's a really good writer. Um, and I, you know, I talked to you before the show, we were talking about this. Um, and it's like, well, we heard the rumors first that Simon Kinberg was coming on and I kind of got my hopes up for that. Cause I'm like, okay, cool. Like Simon Kinberg seems like a good guy who knows what he's doing in Hollywood. And then this Chris White's guy comes out and it's like, okay, well, who would you rather have writing your star Wars movie? The executive producer of X-Men days of future past and the guy who's written some really good episodes of star Wars rebels or the director of twilight new moon. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Obviously, Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy and the people at Disney and everything know this guy a lot better than we do and, uh, you know, know what he can potentially bring to the table as far as his screenwriting. So I have faith that, you know, everybody involved is going to make this a great movie. And, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like we're bashing on him too much um, because, you know, like I said, I I trust that these guys know what they're doing. I trust that they're going to make a good movie. But, yeah. I don't totally. Know, at the yeah. same time, I mean, you, we, we question their decisions a little bit. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to sound like someone like, oh, I automatically don't like them or don't want to work on Star Wars if they don't like the Phantom Menace or any part of the prequels or anything like that. Because you know, I have friends who don't like those movies, so it's not like I'm not going to speak to them ever again or anything like that. It just seems weird to me that this movie has that twice now with both of their writers and to be fair i don't know when those tweets were sent out as far as his comments to the phantom menace if it was before or after this they definitely uh i became aware of them afterwards but as far as when they were actually tweeted i'm not sure so yeah i don't know it's just i think it's mainly if anything something i have to get over where just someone writing star wars criticizing star wars that just just doesn't sit right with me yeah just something that i'll probably have to get over yeah, I don't know. But then again, I mean, maybe he should get over it a little bit if he's working on Star Wars. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, I don't remember when exactly those tweets were made. But yeah, but Twilight on the credit now, a Twilight writer for Star Wars. That doesn't sound <laughs> right either. <laughs> uh, well, like you said, uh, even though, I mean, you've seen the movies. I'm glad to say I haven't, but <laughs> not necessarily something like this you can hold against him when he's something he directed and now he's writing so if there's a bright center to good movies he's worked on the movie that it's farthest from yeah. <laughs> that's the perfect way to put it yep <laughs> uh, so i guess i just got to give him the benefit of the doubt i'll i'll end it at that despite my feelings towards uh him and gary witter and their prequel george lucas comments yeah we'll, we'll remain cautiously optimistic 
Um, all right, so then the last standalone rumor that we've got here uh, deals with Boba Fett in the spinoff films and how they might potentially handle him. We've heard a lot of rumors that there will be a Boba Fett standalone film, uh, rather, you know, whether it's a, a solo film or whether it's him appearing in Han Solo's a standalone movie or whether it's a, a movie about a whole group of bounty hunters, including Boba Fett. Um, but it seems obvious that we're going to see Boba Fett on the screen again at some point. Um, and now there's sort of a question of how that character is going to be handled. Um, and we had heard some rumors a while back about them possibly like killing off the clone Boba Fett and having uh, some new guy take his place. And we had a lot of discussion about that way back when. Um, and that kind of went away for a while because Pablo Hidalgo from Lucasfilm kind of squashed those rumors and said, like, look, guys, Boba Fett's a clone. That's what happens in the movies. Like, that's how George established it. We're not going to change that. Um, but now these new rumors are kind of popping up, suggesting that maybe there might be a little bit of a change in that. Not necessarily in that Boba Fett would just get killed off, but that maybe we'll see an older Boba Fett who survived the Sarlacc pit and everything and maybe see him sort of passing down uh, the mantle and the armor to a younger character and that um, maybe... The, you know, just sort of the name Boba Fett will become less of a specific character and more sort of a mantle um, or, you know, just sort of that, that iconic recognizable armor. Um, and then sort of attached to that, there have been rumors that Michael Fassbender is possibly a front runner to play Boba Fett in a, uh, a standalone uh, film at some point, which would be really cool. From, you know, a certain point of view, I guess, you know, if you're okay with the whole idea of a new Boba Fett who's not a clone of Django, um, but just the idea of, uh, you know, Michael Fassbender playing a Mandalorian mercenary bounty hunter or whatever, I'm like, that would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's certainly an interesting new take on the character. Um, and if it turns out that he did survive the Sarlacc pit, um, I think it would kind of make sense for him to sort of hand down the mantle to a younger character because on the one hand, I mean, when you think about Mandalorians and what we know about them from the EU, how they're like such, you know, hardened warriors and everything, like you could see Boba Fett fighting till he lives to be 100 and gets blown up by a thermal detonator or something. But on the other hand, you don't want to have all the new Star Wars movies just be the stars of the old movies in their old age. And so to see, you know, a newer, younger character play Boba Fett would be kind of cool if they could work that into the story. But I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But Tim, what did you think about this? Because I know you had some some pretty strong feelings on the matter, you know, when we, when we heard that older rumor way back when. But this is a little oh, bit yeah. different take on it. Yeah. This the idea. This one, at least, it doesn't sound like reporting all oh, they're trying to retcon Attack of the Clones and clone Boba Fett. Because that's what the other report from, like, a year or two ago was saying, which got me really ticked off. But this one is like, like you said, passing down the mantle. And I think the big thing is I would really want to see a movie about the clone Boba Fett because clones are awesome. Boba Fett's awesome. <laughs> I mean, anyone who's seen the Clone Wars knows clones are awesome. So to see one as Boba Fett, the clone who wasn't unaltered, the main clone, I think would be really cool. But the idea of the mantle being passed down I mean, if they are going to go their route where they want a different actor and a different to be a different character, this probably would be the best way to do it. I really don't want to see, like, I mean, there was, like, reports saying, oh, they're going to kill him off. Like, someone in the shadows is going to kill Boba Fett off and take his armor, but you're not going to know who it is. I think it would be kind of cool where throughout the main Star Wars movies, from episode two, from episode six, where Boba Fett goes into the Sarlacc pit, what if they do do something where he gets out, he escapes, 
but he's all banged up. He can't carry on as Boba Fett anymore. And he passes the Mandalorian armor down to someone else, like this report says, his, his successor. And then from then on, it becomes a mantle that gets passed down. I think that can be pretty cool because he would have served his purpose in the movies, uh, setting him up as a clone, uh, capturing Han Solo and bringing him to Jabba. That's the, the role he serves throughout the course of the main Star Wars movies. And after Jedi, it's kind of free game. They can, they can go whatever they want. If they decide to do this... That would uh, that would sit okay with me. I mean, as much as I really would want to see a clone Boba Fett movie, that's my preference. If they do decide to go post Return of the Jedi Boba Fett story, I think this could work. And I mean, it's hard not to think Michael Fassbender of Boba Fett would be pretty darn cool. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing I would say. It kind of maybe contradicts from some of the stuff they're saying. They want Boba Fett to be like the man with no name, and you don't know too much about him. But if Michael Fassbender's in the movie. You know he's going to have his, his helmet off a lot in it. I think a lot of people would want to see it where Boa just has the helmet on and you don't know what he looks like under there anymore to bring back that mystery. So with Michael Fassbender, it kind of contradicts that. But if he's in the movie, I don't care. Yeah, it'd be cool just to have him to be the main role as uh, someone in Mandalorian armor and being in a Star Wars movie. But the one thing I will say, I don't know, if it'll work, I mean, because it sounds like they want it to be Boba Fett. Like, the name Boba Fett's going to carry on throughout uh, whoever succeeds the last person to wear that armor. And I don't know if that's the idea. I don't know if that's sitting well with me right now. Because to me, there's only one Boba Fett. That's Jango's clone. But we'll see how they decide to play it. If someone's in the armor and they go by a different name, I think I would prefer that way. But that's not how they're going to market this movie. <laughs> you, you know, the main Mandalorian that everyone knows is Boba Fett. So that's what the movie's going to be called. So, yeah, this one, I'm not too down on it as I was for the previous rumors that we've heard, even though I'd prefer a clone Boba Fett story. But this is something I could be excited about if they do decide to go this route. Yeah. Now, something else I just thought of um, that could be kind of cool is, like, what if the original Boba Fett was, like, still involved but not, you know, he wasn't the one like directly wearing the yeah. armor. But he's not, you know, he doesn't just like find some new guy who can, you know, fight and is good with a blaster and it, you know is a bounty hunter. Is like, here, you want this Mandalorian armor? I'm done with it, and then just goes and retires. Um, but instead of doing something like that, if it was, um, I don't know, the first example that's popping into my head is like Batman Begins. Where, uh, or not Batman Begins, Batman Beyond. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where you've got a, a new kid playing Batman, yeah. but like he's still working with Bruce Wayne, and Bruce Wayne is still kind of Batman in a sense because he is, you know, still helping to like fight crime just by helping this young kid. But he's not the one that's out there in the bat suit actually punching people in the face because he's too old to do that. So, I mean, you could have Boba Fett be. Um, you know, when I say Boba Fett, like the the clone Boba Fett, you could have him be sort of a, a mentor to this guy or be um, sort of like his his oracle in a sense to be, you know, to use another Batman uh, example or be just sort of his, uh, you know, maybe his benefactor, I guess. I mean, maybe he could be the one like setting him up with bounty hunting jobs and then the younger character is the one that actually goes out in the armor and shoots people and does whatever he's going to do. Um, so that could be pretty cool too. Yeah, I really like that idea. That, that's what I want to see now. I think that'd be really cool. I mean, you get Tim Morrison to come back to play the older Boba Fett as the mentor figure. Yeah, I really like that idea. I mean, if they do want to put a final uh, act on clone Boba Fett, they could have it where he goes out for like at the end or something for one final battle. He has to save 
like get the new Boba Fett out of trouble and he has like some extra Mandalorian armor, goes out one more time and maybe he dies in battle and like officially patches passes down the torch of Boba Fett to this new character. Man, that would be really cool. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Let's write to uh Chris White and be like, Hey, we got an idea for you. He could go, It's good, but it's no Twilight and New Dawn, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that 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 that's uh I don't know what you call that from a grammatical standpoint, but I, I guess that s- sentence was redundant. Yeah, <laughs> it's good, but it's no twilight. Like, yeah, it's no twilight because it was good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so, um, you got me really excited for that. Now that's something I really hope we see, but <laughs> I don't know if they go that route. But that sounds really cool. Well, maybe they should hire me to write the next movie. Yes. I'll, I would endorse that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You should like, try to find Kathleen Kennedy or somebody at Star Wars Celebration and be like, hey, hire Kyle to write a standalone movie. Yeah. We'll just go up there like one of those crazy fans with a script like, would you please read my script? <laughs> right. <a> good idea. <laughs> and then we'll get escorted out of Celebration and we'll miss all the cool stuff. <laughs> no, but it's really good. Yeah. Uh, it's like a... Uh, robot chicken the segment <laughs> right there wait ready to happen <laughs> i was just thinking that i'm like even though it doesn't really match up for some reason us getting escorted out of celebration made me think of the scene in robot chicken with the guy in the tauntaun costume yeah, but... in the elevator with george lucas <laughs> you have to say pitch your idea in that voice <laughs> yep and then i'll tell my grandkids about it and that was the best day of my entire life what about when I was born? Not even close. <laughs> or they could say, did the movie ever get made? Nope. <laughs> nope. Not even close. <laughs> See, we got our plans for celebration mapped out right now, too. So <laughs> Yeah. Of course, now we could make, like, Fanboys 2 and just make it about us trying to get J.J. Abrams our script for a Star Wars standalone movie. Yeah, it's going to be, like, the quest to save the Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, have you heard the rumors that Mel Brooks is actually now considering making Spaceballs 2, The Search for More Money? I've heard stuff about that, but I didn't follow it too much. I was like, eh, really? I've actually not never been a big fan of the original Spaceballs. So oh, like, man, I love Spaceballs. Yeah, it's one of those things because uh, it's like, eh, I don't like seeing Star Wars, like, being parodied like that. But then again, I enjoy the robot chicken stuff. So <laughs> to me, that just seems more funny and not... Oh, it's weird. I mean, you could say I'm being hypocritical, like what, liking one parody of Star Wars and not liking another, but there's something about Spaceballs that never sat well with me, even as a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, we've pretty much talked the movies to death. Um, now, let's talk some Star Wars Rebels here for a minute, because there's been a lot going on on Star Wars Rebels lately. Um, I mean, we've had Lando on the show. We've had Tarkin on the show. Um, we're heading into the season finale here pretty quickly, which is crazy because it seems like the season has flown by. Sure. I um, <laughs> and I mean, we knew it was going to be a shorter season because with Clone Wars, we're used to like 20 to 22 episodes. But um, with Rebels, well, they said it was going to be a 16 episode season, but apparently all those little shorts that they did at the beginning actually did count as one episode. And then Spark of Rebellion counted as two episodes because... Um, I guess they produced it as two episodes or wrote it as two or whatever originally and then decided to just combine those two episodes together to make their, you know, one hour TV movie. 
um, which leaves only 13 episodes um, in sort of the sort of the official run, I guess, of, of half-hour episodes that started airing after Spark of Rebellion. Um, and we're up to just about the last one. I mean, as of recording this on Monday, the, the second-to-last episode, Rebel Resolve, is now available on the Disney XD app and watchdisneyxd.com, um, and then it'll be premiering on TV next Monday, and then the season finale will be the Monday after that. Um, and I don't remember when the last time we really talked about Rebels in depth was, but Tim, let's just kind of back it up to, uh, you know, just the beginning of this year with, uh, with Path of the Jedi, but what have kind of been some of your thoughts on the season since then and just sort of the second half of the season so far? Yeah, I think for the most part, the second half of Rebels has been firing on all cylinders. I've been enjoying pretty much all the episodes we've gotten so far in the second half. I mean, Path of the Jedi was a great way to start off the second half. I mean... I love seeing stuff with the Force, and that episode delivered on a big time. I mean, you got Frank Oz as Yoda. I mean, come on, how cool was that? And then just seeing Ezra kind of go on a little mini trial and having echoes of what we've seen in the Dagobah Force Cave and some of the stuff Yoda went through and the Yoda arc in the Clone Wars and the visions that were there. It's a lot of cool stuff happening in that episode, and to cap it off with him getting his kyber crystal and building his lightsaber. But Yoda was awesome in there. I mean, the stuff he was wisdom he was giving to Ezra and at the same time Kanan because they're both really unsure of themselves one as a master and one as uh, the apprentice so that was really cool and then the little throwback they had there to the Yoda arc where you kind of even see the progression of Yoda's training that he's getting uh, from Qui-Gon because as he was leading Ezra along through uh, that Jedi temple he was those little lights that were uh, that we saw in the Yoda arc where Qui-Gon was leading him on Dagobah so I thought that was a little cool throwback to that and seeing that Yoda kind of developed that far in his training to become a force ghost. So I love that episode. Tons of good stuff. And then uh, we got uh, Idiot's Array with Billy D. Williams returning on Lando. That was a real fun episode. You're not going to get a real deep story with that one, but it was just fun. Billy D. Williams was great again as Lando. It was like, just pretty much, he's older, obviously, but he sounded almost as close as he did from Empire and Jedi. Like, it was Lando, and it was great to have him in there. Just a fun episode, and see the beginning of him starting to get in the mining field <laughs> with that fucking pig. <laughs> yeah, so, that was cool. You know, we're gonna see him again too. They like hinted at the episode, and then Billy D. Williams even commented that, "Yeah, I'm pretty much gonna be back." But the last few episodes we got, what's kind of shaping up the end of the season with Tarkin, and we had a Vision of Hope. That was a good episode, but man, Call to Action with Tarkin, that was an awesome episode. I mean. Seeing Tarkin in there was just really cool. More akin to the Tarkin we see in A New Hope than what we saw in uh, Clone Wars. But what I loved about it is how the series is progressing as far as the trouble the Rebels are causing here. I mean, it's it, they're working up the ladder in the Imperial food chain, really. They caused a little trouble in Spark Rebellion. You had uh, Agent Callus go there. He wasn't able to stop it. They found out there was a Jedi there. They had the Inquisitor come to take care of it. He can't stop it, so... The next higher up, they're bringing Tarkin to get things done and take care of this threat. And what I liked about it is he succeeded for the most part. He captured Kanan in a call to action. And you just can't help but think, because you know the Empire is not going to win at the end of the day where they get rid of this rebel threat or else the series would be over. So what's after Tarkin? <laughs> well, not only would the series be over, the movies wouldn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, once they succeed in other areas, who's the next level after Tarkin to get involved? 
it's going to be Vader. And you know that's going to be coming, and we'll be talking about that later. But I just love how they're increasingly becoming more threats within the Empire where the higher-ups have to get involved. And we're at Tarkin's level right now, which was awesome to see. And I just can't even imagine when we get to Vader's level for him to get involved. So, yeah, tons of stuff to be excited with Rebels. I'm loving these episodes we've gotten so far. And the one we got today, uh, Rebel Resolve, um, it was... I would say it was kind of more of a setup to the season finale that we're going to be getting, but man, I cannot wait for the season finale with how Rebel Resolve mm-hmm. ended and the tease we got for where we're going to be going. So, yeah, it's been awesome so far, and I can't wait to see how it all wraps up. Yeah, but I mean, Rebel Resolve, and you know, we won't talk about this too much because I know a lot of people probably haven't seen it on TV yet, but um, I mean, that one had some some cool action sequences too in its own right. I mean, that was a, a fun episode. Um, and it wasn't just like all set up for the, for the finale next week, but, um, yeah, I mean, to, to back it up to the beginning there, I mean, Path of the Jedi, like you said, was really cool and a little bit of a change of pace because of course we've seen some bits of, uh, of Kanan and Ezra going through and doing Jedi training stuff along the way, but most of the series focuses on them, you know, fighting the empire. And so to take a whole episode where, uh, well, there was a, a vision of the Inquisitor in that cave, but they're you know they didn't run into the Inquisitor or Agent Callus or any stormtroopers or anything, um, and there was no Hera shooting down Tie Fighters or Zeb throwing stormtroopers around or anything. It was like the whole episode was just Kanan and Ezra in this old Jedi temple, um, you know, doing their their Force training thing, and then of course, um, you know, hearing the voice of Yoda as Frank Oz again was so cool. Um, and it was funny, I realized, I mean, after watching so much Clone Wars, like, you almost get used to to Tom Kane as the voice yeah. of Yoda. Um, and, I mean, I don't want to say to the point where you almost forget what Frank Oz sounded like, but you you almost start to just accept that sort of as the voice of Yoda. But then as soon as you hear Frank Oz do it again, um, I'm like, Tom who now? <laughs> uh, you know, it was just, like, right back to that original, like, man, that's Yoda. That's, you know, so cool. Um, and the fact that he was able to, you know, he, he's doing the whole force thing with like, you know, the, the light balls, like you said, um, I thought that was really interesting because obviously Qui-Gon was dead and it was sort of his, his essence in the force sort of leading Yoda along without being like a, a fully formed, uh, force ghost. But Yoda is like still alive and well, well, maybe slightly crazy, but alive and mostly well over there on Dagobah. Um, but he's still able to just sort of reach out through the force and talk to people halfway across the galaxy. So that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that episode was really cool. I was a little bit hesitant when, uh, you know, when Ezra got his, his Kyber crystal and built his own lightsaber at the end of that episode, I mean, I thought that once he got the crystal, I thought it might be another like couple episodes or something before he actually completed the lightsaber, but then bam, it, it seemed kind of rushed almost right there at the end of the episode. And then I was kind of worried like, oh, well they gave the kid a lightsaber and now they're going to have him start like fighting the Inquisitor and stuff. Just like in, you know, season one of Clone Wars, Ahsoka was always going up against like Ventress and Grievous and everybody. But I like it. I, I really like how they've handled it so far. Um, I thought it was, you know, might be a little gimmicky that, oh, his lightsaber can also be a blaster and, you know, fires like these stun blasts. So of course they still don't have the 14 year old kid like shooting people and killing them on a, on a cartoon show, but he shoots these little energy balls that like stun him and stuff. But, um, I, I think it's actually worked out really well. I think they've, they've used it to pretty good effect. Um, 
I certainly like it a lot better than his little laser slingshot thingy yeah. that he had. <laughs> um, I've always, I've, I've almost completely forgotten about that by now. And just, you know, the fact that, um, the first time he pulls it out, he basically admits to Kane and he's like, Hey, I'm still in training. Like I can't use this thing as well as you can and actually like sword fight with people. But in the meantime, while I'm training with it, I can also use this extra feature and stun stormtroopers with it. So it's pretty cool. And I think, you know, especially for the show that is kind of, you know, it's more fun and action adventure and aimed at kids and stuff. I think it works really well. Um, so anyway, then yeah, with the, the Lando episode, I enjoyed that one. I, I guess the the puffer pig was maybe a little too cartoony for me, with that being the whole MacGuffin of the episode. And, you know, Lando's like, oh, I've got some sensitive mining equipment. And then it's this balloon pig that inflates <laughs> when Zeb scares it. I'm like, eh, that's a little much for me. But I did enjoy hearing, you know, Billy D. Williams as Lando again. So that was pretty cool. Um, I have to say Vision of Hope might be my least favorite episode of the season so far and not because it was a really big stinker or anything or anything but just because it didn't really do much for me with that whole plot with travis um yeah it was predictable yeah it was really predictable because and you know i i haven't been watching a lot of the previews or anything for rebels one of the things i like about the uh the way they do this. And I know you and I kind of differ in opinion on this, but with them releasing the episodes online a week ahead of time, um, you know, it it can kind of throw the schedule off and make things confusing sometimes. But one thing I like is that on that, you know, on, on the Monday that a new episode airs on TV, sometimes like they'll start releasing previews and stuff online for the next episode. And I'm just able to ignore it because I can watch the new episode online that night. Um, so I don't usually, you know, get spoiled and I'm able to watch these episodes, you know, usually pretty fresh and, uh, you know, not be spoiled on any of the surprises or anything, but for vision of hope, I think even the description for it that was on the, the watch Disney XD website, um, just in like one sentence said something like the rebels go to meet with Gaul Travis, but they get an unexpected surprise or something is not what it appears to be or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, let me guess. He's going to be a traitor. And you know, this guy who was supposedly an Imperial defector who was feeding information to the rebels really was just working for the empire all along to you know lure rebels into traps and stuff like that. And then I was like, I hope I'm wrong. Um, you know, I, I hope it doesn't end up being that predictable. And then I watched the episode and it really was that predictable. So I was kind of disappointed by that, especially because they pretty much already used that same plot device in Rise of the Old Masters, um, where, you know, it was like Luminara and Dooley's alive and they're going to find the Jedi Master and then they get there and find out that she's dead and that they had just been lured into a trap set by the Empire. So it, it sort of felt like they had just rehashed that plot again, but it wasn't nearly as interesting this time around because it didn't involve dead Jedi from the Clone Wars. It didn't involve the Inquisitor showing up for the first time and having a lightsaber duel and everything. So, um, yeah, not that it was a bad episode. It just didn't really do anything for me. Um, but then... Boy, oh boy, the next week we pick up with Call to Action, and uh, man, yeah, that one was was fantastic. I think, I don't know, if I had to pick a favorite episode for the season at this point, it would have to be either Call to Action or, um, uh, what's the one, Gathering Forces, 
which was sort of the mid-season finale. Um, you know, but those, those are probably my top two for the season so far, followed by Path of the Jedi and then probably Empire Day, which was the one that set up uh, Gathering Forces. So that was a really great one. Yeah, seeing Tarkin show up, um, you know, he just means business. I, I would uh, say that's probably the best beginning to an episode with Tarkin arriving on Lothal. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I mean, when you see – it basically was like, you know, copied the scene from the beginning of Return of the Jedi when the, the Imperial shuttle comes out of the Star Destroyer and Vader lands on the Death Star and, uh, you know, shows up just just kind of whip everybody into shape. Um, it was like the same thing with Tarkin here. And even though I knew just from seeing you know, articles that had been online earlier in the day that Tarkin was going to show up in the episode, um, when I saw that shuttle heading for Lothal and heard you know the Imperial March and everything, even though I was like, man, I know that's probably Tarkin, I'm really hoping that's Dark Vader. <laughs> but we haven't seen Vader yet, aside from you know the little hologram at the you know in the the season premiere, but. Um, yeah, I mean, just fantastic work, uh, you know, by Stephen Stanton doing the voice of Tarkin and just a a really great use of that character. I mean, Tarkin is one of those characters for me that, I mean, I don't really love or hate in Star Wars. He's just kind of there. He's just kind of one of those characters that's part of Star Wars. And I just kind of take it in stride with everything else. Um, so he's never really stood out to me as like a particularly great villain or anything, um, so, like, in the original trilogy, it's like, oh, okay, he's that one Imperial officer guy that blows up all they're on. And then in the Clone Wars, it's like, oh, okay, cool, we get to see, like, a younger version of Tarkin here. But um, once we get to Rebels, it's more like the Tarkin that we know from the original trilogy, but you get to sort of flesh out his character a little bit more and see, um, you know, sort of what his role is, aside from just sort of ordering Vader around and, and blowing up planets. Um, and... Yeah, to see him show up and just sort of, you know, whip whip everybody into shape on Lothal and be like, look, there's this band of rebels running around. There's a Jedi who's inspiring hope in people, and you guys aren't doing anything about it. Like, this needs to change. And then he has the Inquisitor, you know, execute those, those two Imperial officers, uh, like Grint and Oresco or whatever their names are, the, the two sort of... Um, I don't know, the cannon fodder bad guys, I guess, if you, <laughs> oh, now if they you are. will. The, uh, well, yeah, yeah, the, the sort of the two uh, lowest of the totem pole of the of the recognizable bad guys. They're the officers that just command the stormtroopers that always get beaten by Kanan and the rebels. So, um, you know, those guys showed up in Tarkin's office and uh, did not leave with their heads. Yeah. <laughs> I thought like, oh man, this went Clone Wars right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Immediately, I was like, man, they said the Inquisitor just went Savage Press up in here. Yeah, though in Clone Wars, you'd probably see their bodies without the heads, though. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, only on the Blu-ray. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, they they definitely this was more suggestive here. Um, you did see the the Inquisitor ignite his lightsaber right behind their heads, yeah. and then just start moving it forward a little bit. But then, before you actually see any cutting happen, uh, you just see Agent Callus being like, "Holy crap, that just happened!" <laughs> Which was basically my reaction to. <laughs> I don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then he does do something. They go out and capture Kanan, and so uh, 
yeah, I mean, I love how the story is getting shaken up a little bit here and they're they're sort of changing the status quo. And like you said, they're sort of going higher up the food chain here. And I think in uh, in Rebel Resolve, um, Tarkin even says something about um, yeah. Even though he is already showing up, he I think he says something to Agent Callus or somebody else about how uh, these rebels are going to attract more attention from from outside the Empire. Um, actually, no, you know, I think maybe it's Fulcrum who says that to Hera, but somebody says something about the rebels attracting yeah, more Fulcrum, attention. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Which just makes you think like, oh, well, how soon is it going to be before Vader shows up to deal with these guys? So, uh, yeah, it should be really cool to see, but yeah, I mean, so far, especially for, you know, the first season of a new show, I think it's been, it's been pretty good so far. Um, and you know when you when you compare it to Clone Wars, I'd almost say it's even been like maybe more consistent quality than Clone Wars was, because um, obviously I don't think there's been anything yet on Rebels that has quite matched the heights of um, Clone Wars episodes like the Lawless or uh, you know the the Yoda arc or the Ahsoka arc from the end of season five or any of that kind of stuff. But they're also, I mean, there've been maybe like two or three episodes this season on Rebels that I wasn't really all that impressed with, but certainly nothing on the level of, uh, you know, corruption or pursuit of peace or any of those kind of stinkers from the Clone Wars either. So, um, you know, overall Rebels has at least been pretty consistent and uh, definitely very enjoyable so far. Yeah, I totally agree with you about the consistency for the first season so far. You're right. We haven't gotten like a real stinker like, oh, man, we're like almost all the fans say, yeah, this is one we're not going to be watching too much. But yeah, so like we like you said, some are better than others. But for the most part, we've just been getting some really cool Star Wars stuff or action in this series and stories, too. So I think it's done its job so far in this first season. And season finale i think it's going to be pretty darn epic and i just can't wait for it <laughs> for uh, those who've seen the, the end of rebel resolve will know exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah now uh tim let, let's talk about this for a moment before we move on to some of the other uh you know little rebels tidbits we've got here um one thing that we've been uh you know that, that we've seen all season long is this fulcrum character who's, uh, you know, kind of hiding in the shadows and, and advising Hera on how to fight the Empire and stuff, but we still don't know who this character is. Um, I have a feeling we're going to find out in the season finale, but before we find out for sure, uh, you do, do you have any predictions on who this might be? Um, <laughs> I will say it won't be my own prediction, but from the rumors we've been hearing lately and some of the even audio alterations we've heard fans do <laughs> from earlier episodes and some other info that's come out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm totally convinced right now that it's going to be Ahsoka Tano as Volcrum. I mean, I would actually come into a point now where I'll be surprised if it's not her really, but in the beginning, I always just thought Volcrum was just going to be some, new character like i really didn't pay much attention to him slash her what the, the first uh time he appeared in an episode like okay just someone who's helping him out we'll we'll see if he's even mentioned again later on but then they made it to a point in uh out of darkness with Hera and sabine where Hera was keeping sabine out of it in her meeting with fulcrum and there was more to it where this person is a mystery and then in this episode i mean we talked about this before we got uh, this information about Ahsoka possibly being Fulcrum and like before we saw this episode. And then when we saw this episode, Rebels Resolve, it just 
kind of affirmed that to me more as I saw it, where as we see that conversation Hera has with Fulcrum, it, it's just hard for me not to think it's Ahsoka now, really. The way he, he talked, or see, I'm saying he because I think they were trying to early on just make it feel like it was a guy, but in this episode, Rise, I mean, uh, Rebel Resolve, you can definitely tell it was a female talking to Hera in that hologram. And yeah. Yeah, just it's just almost screaming Ahsoka to me now. So, like I said, I'd be surprised if it's not her. And at this point now, I think it's an awesome choice for it to be Ahsoka, because I think it would just be a natural progression for her character to go this route to help the this band of rebels and probably helping other rebel factions throughout the galaxy to kind of her to be like maybe like I don't want to say like the rebel leader, but kind of like one of the main people who's keeping these rebel groups together and just like watching out over all of them and kind of making sure they're she's doing her part to help them out in their fight against the empire and eventually will bring them together. So I think the possibilities for Ahsoka to be Fulcrum is awesome. And I can't wait to see what stuff they have planned if it does pan out to be her. So yeah, I'm super excited about that possibility. And like I said, kind of expecting now, I just, even though, we got the rumors and the reports saying that it is her. Like some sites are saying, yeah, it's fact. It's Ahsoka. I think it's still going to be an awesome moment when we do get that reveal, whether it's season finale or season two premiere. Once Fulcrum pulls off that hood and it's revealed that it's Ahsoka, fans are going to go crazy, and I'll be one of them. Yeah. Now, I mean, I, I would sort of agree with you that I think she is definitely the front runner. Um, I still don't know that I believe it's absolutely confirmed, um, but like you said, after seeing this latest episode, Rebel Resolve, and this is, you know, kind of minor spoilers for those who haven't seen it yet, but it's not really, um, you know, big spoilers yet. Cause we're, we're not basing it off of any sort of information that's revealed in the episode, aside from just hearing her talk to Hera again. And you, yeah. I mean, you just hear that voice. And this time, like you said, you can definitely tell it's a female voice. Um, Although she also was kind of talking to Hera with some some maturity and some authority and, uh, you know, really kind of laying down like, hey, this is what you have to do to avoid the Empire and, and this sort of thing. And so one of my early predictions for Fulcrum was I thought it would be, you know, maybe it was a prediction or maybe it was just sort of something I thought it would be cool to see. But I thought maybe it would be Leia, um, you know, as... A, a young teenager um, trying to help out the Rebel Alliance in a way that sort of is, you know, more fitting to someone her age because obviously she's not going to be out there fighting or even, you know, standing up to Darth Vader um, as, you know, a, a 14 or 15 year old. But she could be, you know, I'm sort of imagining almost this girl just sort of like hiding in her bedroom with her laptop. Uh, you know, Bail Organa walks by the door and says, good night. She's like, good night, dad. And then, yeah. <laughs> you know, jumps under the covers and she's there with her laptop and her headphones and her microphone and being like, Hey, this is Fulcrum. Like go attack the empire. Um, but so after, after seeing this episode, I, I, I don't think it's young Leia uh, just because it seems like whoever this is, is, you know, a little bit older and more mature. Um, like I said, I definitely think Ahsoka is a front runner, but I mean, you see like this hooded figure and it doesn't look like Ahsoka with the horns and everything and the, the head tails and all that. Now, obviously they could have just made a, a conscious choice to not show that because they're trying to keep it a secret. And obviously if, you know, if they made it actually look like Ahsoka in the hood, it would be really obvious. 
Um, but that also has me thinking maybe this isn't necessarily Ahsoka. I do think Ahsoka is definitely going to appear on this show at some point. Like, that, for me, is inevitable. Um, and I especially want to see her cross paths and maybe even cross blades with Darth Vader. Because um, that would just be so cool to see. But maybe they're trying to even maybe throw us off the trail a little bit here because... Um, I mean, there's been so much fan speculation and so many people, like you said, are absolutely certain that it's Fulcrum, that Fulcrum is Ahsoka. Um, so maybe even in, in this episode, they made the voice sound even a little bit more recognizably female just so those people would be like, yep, yeah, look, see, it's Ahsoka for sure. Um, and maybe they're trying to like throw you off the trail a little bit. And I'm thinking maybe it's Ventress. Um, I mean, that's sort of like the one other sort of main female character from the Clone Wars who could still be alive now, who we don't really know uh, the the absolute final fate of, and certainly would be a, a character who could be operating from the shadows. Um, and we, you know, obviously she, she's been sort of a, a villain character in the past, but started to sort of turn it around. Uh, before we got to the end of the Clone War series. So she certainly could end up in a position where now she's helping this Rebel Alliance uh, start forming. So I think that would be really cool to see. That's sort of my wild card pick is that it's Ventress. But obviously, you know, the, the main signs are pointing to that it's probably Ahsoka. Yeah, when you mentioned Ventress, I'm like, that was a character who didn't even pop in my head as far as the possibility for Fulcrum. I was kind of like you with... Mainly Ahsoka and the possibility of of Leia, and maybe just a brand new brand new character. But to the lengths they're going to keep Fulcrum's identity a secret, I, I think it's going to be a familiar character because otherwise they probably just would have rebuilt it already. But Ventures, yeah. yeah, that didn't come to my head at all. But it can make sense really if she does it. I mean, like you said, when you think about her in the past, it, it wouldn't necessarily uh, be a role that would fit her. But like you said. We saw her turning a new leaf by the end of the Clone Wars where she's shown more sides like of being a good person and as a bounty hunter. I just don't know if like you go from that transition to bounty hunter to being like a, a rebel leader, really, because we still see bounty hunters operate during this period with the Empire. So I don't know if maybe there would be some circumstance that makes her that go from a bounty hunter to being involved with the setting up a rebel alliance or something. So, but just in regards to where her character was going, regardless of whatever her occupation was, I think it could be somewhere she could end up in that role. But yeah, it's, it's not swaying me on Ahsoka too much really, but it's just something I didn't think of, but could see it working out if they did decide to throw us a curveball and she end up being fulcrum. But yeah, I think Ahsoka is still a safe bet because I think the original report of the rumors for Ahsoka started really gaining speed when there is like a French actress who does Ahsoka's voice for the French double of the Clone Wars, like reveal that like it was on her site somewhere. I think that listed some of her upcoming uh, work that she's doing. And it was like Ahsoka for Rebels or something like that. So oh, I think that's yeah. kind of what gained steam to it, too. And then we've heard other reports for like people hearing from the sources that, yeah, it's, it's like it's going to be Ahsoka. So. I don't want to say 100%, but I'm in the high 90s. <laughs> going to be talking, maybe even 99%. Yeah. I'm not going to put well, that other 0.9%, but 99%. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing I'm thinking too is that she, I mean, maybe Ventress and Ahsoka are working together here. I mean, I think we had even heard, um, you know, obviously some very. Uh, 
sort of vague hints about that from like Dave Filoni back when, you know, before we knew that the Clone Wars was canceled, but when we see Ahsoka and Ventress working together um, at the end of, of season five of the Clone Wars, and then Ahsoka leaves the Jedi order. And then suddenly Ventress and Ahsoka are both in, uh, you know, very similar positions where they've both sort of, um, you know, fallen from grace within their respective Jedi and Sith orders. And now they're sort of, uh, you know, on their own, sort of forging their own new path. Um, and that we might see more of the two of them interact in the future. Um, obviously that didn't end up coming to fruition on the Clone Wars, sadly, but I'm like, that could still end up happening here. Um, we've also got the, the Dark Disciple novel coming out this summer that's going to deal a lot with Ventress. And so we'll see what kind of shape she's in after that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's definitely still room for her in this story. Um, and again, still, I, I, I still think that in all likelihood, the, the safe bet is that Fulcrum is going to turn out to be Ahsoka, but I don't know. You, you say you're like in the high nineties as far as how, you know, what, what percentage you're sure I'd say I'm maybe in like the low to mid eighties right now. Wow. Um, <laughs> Interesting. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's Ahsoka, but I'm not totally convinced. Um, I mean, maybe it's just the, the fact that the hood doesn't match and I just mm. want to see it end up being somebody else with a different shaped head. I don't know. <laughs> um, or maybe it's just that I like being surprised. And just like I said, with that vision of hope episode, I'm like, I hope it doesn't turn out to be as predictable as it seems right now. So, yeah, I still think it's um, going to be a great moment, even if we do know. I think it's going to be really cool. And what you're saying about, like, the possibility of her, like, Ventress kind of being partners in this, I actually uh, thought of that, but instead of Ventress, it would be Captain Rex, because we oh. still don't know what his fate was, and I think him teaming up with Ahsoka would be a really cool outcome for his character. Oh my gosh, that would be so cool. Yeah, but... <laughs> if Rex is, like, a, you know, one of the first, like, rebel generals or something. Yeah. <laughs> Except he'd be, I mean, he'd be pretty old by this point, but... Yeah, so he wouldn't be able to do much, but, like, just being there to help her and support her, whatever she can, and, like, getting these rebel factions out. And plus, he had experience on Onderon, too, with setting up rebel factions, so... Yeah. Uh, that, now, there would be a cool surprise if they're able to <laughs> keep that under wraps, where... Oh, man. We see that at Sulkin, and then, like, instead of a hologram, we go into her actual ship, and then we see Captain Rex in there, like, as an old clone. <laughs> That'd be really cool. Yeah. Now, one character that we do know for sure from the Clone Wars is going to be showing up in this show at some point in the future. And, I mean, at this point, I'm assuming this is going to be in season two. Um, but Jim Cummings, who plays the voice of Hondo in the Clone Wars, um, was, you know, doing a panel at, uh, I guess, Salt Lake City Comic Con, and, uh, he just revealed in an interview, uh, he said, I think I'm allowed to tell you that I'm back, that Honda will be back in Star Wars Rebels. Um, the, but he said, uh, but we do them so far in advance, I don't know when, so you'll just have to watch them all. Um, so, yeah, there you go. I mean, this is kind of the same situation we were in with uh, with Billy D. Williams and Lando yeah. way back when, <laughs> where there was no official confirmation, like from Lucasfilm or from you know anybody at Disney or working on the show or anything. But it's like if Billy D. Williams gets up in front of a bunch of people and says that he's going to play Lando on Star Wars Rebels, like, I'm going to take that as fact. Um, and, you know, same here with, with Jim Cummings doing Hondo. So that's really exciting. Um, I mean, I don't know anybody who likes the Clone Wars and doesn't like Hondo. Um, so, you know, certainly it would be cool to see him back. Yeah, it would be cool if we, if actually, because with uh, Billy D. Williams as he's coming back as Lando, what if we get an episode with Lando 
and uh, Hondo <laughs> kind of working together. When that would be a planet. really good pairing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be really cool, actually. Just to see an old Hondo, I mean, to see what he's like 20 years later after the Clone Wars, or not 20 years later, like 15 years after, um, just to see what <laughs> how he is as an older weak way, if he's kind of gained more of a sense of humor or has like a more of a no-care attitude towards things, it should be pretty funny. So, yeah, I mean, I think after Ahsoka and Rex, he was probably the next or maybe even number one for a lot of Clone Wars fans for a character from that series to show up in Rebels. I'm sure he was pretty high on the list for a lot of fans. Yeah, and, you know, I, I mean, just sort of my initial prediction, I would think an old Hondo would be you know, older and like less physically able, he might be like walking around in a wheelchair or, you know, walking with a cane or something, but acting exactly like his same old self. Mm. Um, you know, like he'd, he'd be the guy that would, um, you know, make a death threat at you, like from his wheelchair. And you know <laughs> that he's not really going to make good on it because he can't, but he's still not giving up that sort of old, uh, you know, pirate bravado kind of thing. Yeah, I, I just hope he still has his Kawaki and Monkey Lizard pet with him still. <laughs> oh, you know he would. <laughs> to see an old version of that alien species, <laughs> that would be funny. I wonder what their lifespan is, though. Maybe they don't have long lifespans. But <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, well, I don't know that it would necessarily be an old monkey lizard. I'm just thinking it's Hondo. He has to have a monkey lizard. Yeah, would it be better if it was the same one he's had since the Clone Wars? <laughs> well, he had like at least two in the Clone Wars, I think. But so that red one was always consonants and like. Well, no, because I know he had a red one and he had a blue one at one point. And I remember reading in one of the behind the scenes things, like one of the episode guides or something, um, like in the trivia section, that actually he supposedly had two monkey lizards and that they were brothers. Um, and so that, you know, when you see him with a different one in a different episode, like supposedly that's the brother of the other okay. one. But yeah, I think, I think he had a red one and a blue one. I must have forgot about that <laughs> trivia question of the episode guy, but yeah, as long as he has some monkey lizard there, I mean, yeah. he has to. <laughs> you're, you're talking to a guy who won an R2-D2 droid phone uh, a few years ago at a Star Wars trivia contest because I knew that Hondo's pet was a Kowakian monkey lizard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bravo. <laughs> And shame for the other people there who didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that was actually at the uh, the Night Sisters Clone Wars uh, theatrical screening oh, back nice. in like 2010, and they had a trivia contest. You know, they they had a trivia yeah. contest like before the screening, and they were giving away uh, like books and toy lightsabers and stuff for the kids with a bunch of easy questions. Um, and actually, like the second to last question. Um, was for like a book or something, but she had told us that, you know, the last prize she was going to give out was this, you know, the, the R2D2 smartphone, which I was like, Oh, that would be really cool. Cause yeah, I didn't have a smartphone at the time. I had one of those ones with like the slide out keyboard or whatever. So that was my first smartphone was that R2D2 droid phone. Um, but anyway, so I'm like, I really wanted that thing. The second to last question she asked was, uh, it was about, um, Oh, what was the episode? Oh, Evil Plans. Yeah, one of the other really stinker episodes from the Clone Wars. But it was like, what kind of fruit did they want on the senator's cake or something? And I was the only one in the whole auditorium who knew it was Jogan fruit. And so, you know, after nobody else raised their hand, I'm like, I raised my hand. I said, can I have the phone if I get it? And she's like, no. So I told a little kid next to me. 
Um, and you know, he, then he, so then, you know, he yells out Jogan fruit and he got a lightsaber. Um, and then the next question, it was what kind of species does Hondo Onaka have for a pet? Um, and I, oh, my hand shot up like a freaking laser. Bolt. Um, <laughs> and I was like, wacky a monkey lizard. And I got the phone and I was all happy. And then I go back to my seat and that little kid's there and he's like, don't touch my lightsaber. I'm like, okay, yeah, kid, you have your lightsaber. Don't touch my phone. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's awesome. so that was fun. Okay, that yeah. A lot of people in the audience not know that answer. Unless well, you, you know what? So fast. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, I bet somebody else there knew that, but I was the fastest hand in the room. <laughs> nice. Anyway, so what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Hondo on Rebels. Yeah. Uh, can't wait to see him back, and uh, you know, one of his many monkey lizards. Yes, it's a must. <laughs> Um, and then we've also got the title revealed for the season finale, uh, which is called Fire Across the Galaxy. Um, so, I mean, aside from where we're setting up at the end of Rebel Resolve, we don't really know what the season finale is going to be about, but it's got a pretty cool title. Um, and then also, uh, I mean, Freddie, Pris- Freddie Prince Jr., um, sent out a tweet a little while ago just talking about Star Wars Rebels, and he said, I can't wait for season two to start for you guys. We recorded nearly twice as many episodes. You guys are going to love it. So, um, yeah, it seems like we'll definitely get a lot more episodes in season two than we did in season one, and it won't go by quite so quickly, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully we'll be back to 22 and not count any shorts that <laughs> may appear later Yeah. On. Well, I'm wondering if it'll be 22 or even, you know, when he says almost twice as many, I'm like, is it going to be closer to like 26 or something like that? Um, awesome. <laughs> but the other thing this has me thinking is that, um, I mean, now that we know, like, if season two is really going to be twice as long as season one, then I would bet you Rebels is only going to go for three seasons would probably be I my guess. Saying, yeah. Um, which I don't really have a problem with because as long as we get a lot of episodes and, you know, a lot of good stories, um, if they want to, you know, hurry up and wrap this up and get on to, uh, giving us a series set in between episodes six and seven, which is what I really want to see, then I'm fine with that. Um, and, you know, as long as they've got a good, uh, sort of vision for where they're going with rebels and they get to wrap it up where they want it to, and it doesn't unfortunately you know sort of end abruptly like clone wars did which it seems like they do have a pretty good idea of where they're going with it um especially as we're getting close to the end of season one here it seems like they're really sorting to starting to sort of line up some things and set some stuff up for season two so um i mean yeah i'm I'm really excited to see where they go with this show in the future but i wouldn't expect it to last too long just because um you know it seems seems like they're gonna um you know, kind of move on to, to other areas of the Star Wars universe. And also, I mean, with Clone Wars, they, they kept talking about how five seasons was a long time for an animated series and a hundred episodes was like this great landmark. So I don't know if they're going to try to do that twice with, uh, with rebels. Yeah. And plus like a successful run for an animated series really is like 65 episodes in the course of three seasons. So it wouldn't make sense if we get like around 25, 26 or something like that for season two and three. And then you throw in the, 13 14 or if you count the shorts or not episodes for season one that would kind of probably take it around 65 or close to it and there's your run of a successful animated series so that does make sense i mean three seasons might be a realistic possibility yeah yeah i mean that like i said that would probably be my guess at this point just based on uh sort of the projected number of episodes for for season two but i don't know i guess we'll see um 
but we, we certainly have some uh, tantalizing rumors, I guess, for, for the beginning of season two. Um, and this is just a rumor that we've uh, you know heard from Making Star Wars and a couple other places that uh, in the Rebel season two premiere that we're going to see at uh, Celebration Anaheim, that we're going to have appearances by Darth Vader, Ahsoka Tano, and Emperor Palpatine. Um, and it's not here in this Making Star Wars report, but I read somewhere else that, uh, you know, they reported that Sam Witwer is coming back to play Emperor Palpatine, which, again, oh, you know, rumors <laughs> at this point, nothing confirmed, but please let this happen. Yeah. Um, and Sam Witwer does – for some reason, suddenly I'm getting deja vu and I feel like I've said this on a podcast recently and I can't remember if I did or not. But I don't know if anyone does Ian McDiarmid's Palpatine voice better than Sam Witwer other than Ian McDiarmid. Like, uh, that guy just does such a great Emperor Palpatine voice. Yeah, I mean, I thought Ian Abercrombie did an awesome job, but – from when it went to Ian Abercrombie to Tim Curry, you could feel the difference in the voice, and it didn't sound quite as close as Palpatine as Ian Abercrombie did. But hearing Sam Witmer in The Force Unleashed, yeah, I mean, I was shocked when I found out that was him. I was like, man, this person really sounds like a good Palpatine. And when I found out it was Sam Witmer, like, what? Man, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, and this actually, I think before Rebels even aired, or like maybe during the first few episodes, but it was rumored that Sam Sam Witwer has a role in Rebels later mm-hmm. on, but they never said what it was. And this can line up pretty good if it is actually Emperor Palpatine. So Yeah. In fact, it's funny because at the time, I think this was like before the first episode with Fulcrum aired um, and before we had actually like heard the character talk on screen. And a lot of people were speculating that maybe Fulcrum was going to be a new character and was going to be voiced by Sam Witwer. Um, and of course, by this point, we're like, yeah, that's not happening. But then to think like, oh yeah, Palpatine, of course, duh. Like, why didn't we think of that before? Um, cause, uh, yeah, like, I mean, like you said, he, the fact that he did it in the Force Unleashed and when I found that out, that the, the voice of Palpatine was the same voice of Starkiller, I was like, are you freaking serious? Like, that doesn't sound like him at all. And it sounds exactly like Palpatine. And then I've seen Sam Witwer so far at two conventions um, at, uh, I think it was Phoenix Comic-Con 2013, and then it's at uh, Celebration 6 back in uh, 2012. And both times I went to his panel, both times somebody in the audience asked him about the Palpatine voice, and he did it, like, live on stage. Um and did like one of my favorite lines from the Force Unleashed game, which was uh, just, I mean, so great. So, yeah, I, w- I would be super excited to have him back as as Palpatine. Yeah, I mean, um, just to see him down there, too, is going to be awesome. And like I said before, working up like the food chain of the Empire, we're getting Vader and then eventually Palpatine. I mean, who knows how big of a role he'll be? Like, he could... Maybe he'll start off how Vader started off in Spark of the Rebellion as a hologram or something. That's what I'm thinking. It'll be like a role reversal. Like Vader would be kneeling down talking to him like we saw in Empire and how the Inquisitor was to Vader. But really, what got me excited about this, besides seeing these iconic characters again, but pairing Darth Vader, Emperor Palpatine, and Ahsoka Tano in a Season 2 premiere, hopefully that's just the setup for what can be a really epic Season 2. And then we get the moment Clone Wars fans have been waiting for where... Ahsoka and Vader face off. <laughs> I mean, 
I can't even imagine how awesome that would be. And because that was the thing I was waiting for on Clone Wars, is I think would make an awesome ending if it fast forwarded a little bit to like after the Clone Wars ended and we're in the period of the Empire and Anakin's Darth Vader and seeing Ahsoka and Darth Vader confront each other for the first time again with just to see the reactions for both of them. I mean, just the mystery if Ahsoka even knows. Anakin is Darth Vader, and if that gets to reveal to her in Rebels and seeing her reaction, and then Darth Vader seeing Ahsoka, and does that bring back any memories as far as the... Or sure, of course it's going to bring back memories, but how is it going to affect them if they're going to have to battle each other or whatnot? Just tons of possibilities that just makes you think like how awesome it's going to be if they go that route. So, yeah, I mean, just the idea of getting excited of having Ahsoka be Frocom and being brought back here, but then with Vader being brought back... And just the, just that possibilities. I mean, they might not even go there, but just know that there's a chance that we could see that is just awesome. So, this was a, when I saw this rumor report about these characters appearing in season two, the season two premiere. Actually, it's like, man, a celebration here yet because that's going to be totally right. big highlights, man. Yeah, and I'm starting to wonder if I mean, just sort of based on what we know about Rebels heading into the season one finale, I'm like, is this only going to be the season two premiere that these characters show up, or are they also going to show up in the season one finale and it's going to kind of end on a cliffhanger and resolve in the season two premiere? Um, <clears throat> just because, I mean, like we've been talking about, it seems like we're kind of on a on a collision course here where we're going to find out who Fulcrum is soon enough. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to, like you said, work their way up the food chain to Darth Vader at some point. Um and then, of course, there's Emperor Palpatine, who, like, is the top of the food chain. Um, but, yeah, I, I would hope that, you know, at least Palpatine's first appearance would just be sort of a, talking to Vader um, and appearing as a hologram or even, you know, seeing Vader talking to him on, I don't know, the, the bridge of a Star Destroyer or maybe the the prototype Death Star or something. I don't know. Um but I, as much as I would love to see Palpatine in this series and hear Sam Witwer do that voice again, I would kind of like to see him stick to sort of a smaller supporting role. Yeah. Um, just agree. because, like, he's the big ultimate bad guy. And, like, I mean, you, you can kind of feel the weight of that moment in Return of the Jedi when Vader is bringing Luke to, to Palpatine's throne room on the Death Star. Like... I don't know at this point that Kanan and Ezra are even worthy of like getting to confront the Emperor because, you know, Luke had to train for three movies before he got to that point. So, um, I, I kind of would like it to just be where, you know, once the rebels sort of work their way up to Darth Vader and we start seeing more of Vader in the series, then we see the Emperor more as sort of, um, you know, the, the puppet master in the shadows kind of thing, just talking to Vader and sort of laying his plans out and everything, but then just sending Vader to actually do everything. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I don't want to see, definitely don't want to see him in action or anything because he didn't make a point to go out and, like, uh, confront Luke and all them after the Death Star blew up and knew he was uh, the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. But he didn't go out and do it himself. He sent Vader to do it. So if he's not going to do that for Luke, there's no way he's going to like go out and do things himself just for like as a small rebel band in Ezra and Kanan. Yeah. So like you said, just see him communicating with Vader. I mean, he, whether it's all across, I mean, the hologram or Vader's on a star destroyer or the death star or something or on Coruscant even, and he's having a conversation with Palpatine would be good, but yeah, just have him not necessarily get too involved in the dealings of what they're doing with uh, the crew of the ghosts. But 
another cool part of that was in the making Star Wars report on this uh, rumor for the characters appearing was that he said he heard that James Earl Jones would be back as Darth Vader and that he recorded his line some time ago. So maybe when he did that uh, Sparker Rebellion uh, intro, he did his lines for whatever appearances he's going to have in the premiere too. So maybe that they were just sitting on that. <laughs> but it also made me think too, because um, Matt Lanter sent out that tweet a few weeks ago saying that it's good to be back as Anakin again. And I think that uh, Ashley Eckstein was involved with that too. So maybe there's going to be something with Anakin and Ahsoka and Rebels then, because we were wondering, what is it going to be? Is it going to be like for the Battlefront game or something? Some new Clone Wars project? Or now with the possibility, I think, would be Rebels. And we've heard that Rebels isn't going to do flashbacks or whatnot, but I don't know. There's other ways that you can probably incorporate uh, Anakin Skywalker's voice in there. Maybe you just hear it in Ahsoka's head or something like that. But I don't know. This just makes me think now that this may be what Matt Lantern was involved with, with uh, Rebels instead of some upcoming project or a game or something. I think it's leading more towards this. Yeah, possibly. But then again, I mean, if the the reports are true that we heard about, um, you know, the, the Battlefront rumors that we were talking about earlier, um, if they are going to do Clone Wars and prequel era stuff in that, I think... Uh, you know, I, I would probably lean more towards uh, Matt Lander doing the voice for, for Anakin in Battlefront or maybe some other video game. That's a good point, too. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the thing. Well, maybe Ahsoka will be in Battlefront, too. But I think kind of that's where I kind of maybe think it might be this because it was in a section with Ashley Eckstein that he tweeted that out. When now that we're kind of getting more evidence that Ahsoka will be in this, that maybe leads me more to that being Rebels based and. Uh, Battlefront or something, unless Ahsoka will be included in that, you never know. That's a possibility too. But that's I just kind of leaning more towards this now. When I don't know, it'd just be interesting to see how they pull it off because, geez, I mean, they'll do an awesome job with pulling off, but seeing how they do it's going to be awesome if we get an Ahsoka Vader confrontation. Man, it's going to be epic to say the least. It is going to be so epic. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, man, they don't even have to do anything. Just like have the characters run into each other and then just like stop and look at each other and let us just envision everything that's going on in their minds at that moment. You see, um, what would you actually prefer to Ahsoka already know Anakin is Vader or she finds out when she confronts Vader like face to face for the first time or something? I would probably, well, uh, I don't know. It, it would be, <laughs> well, no, I, I was just going to say it would be tough because it depends on how much we see of Ahsoka before she runs into Vader. Mm -hmm. um and sort of how much we get to learn about her character and you know what she's been doing for the past uh several years and everything and uh you know how much she knows about the empire and about vader and all this kind of stuff because i would imagine i mean if she's helping the empire if she has known or made contact with any any other former jedi especially any who've maybe like been killed by the emperor been lured into the any of the inquisitor's traps or anything like that but if you know if she's aware of darth vader and has um, you know, seen him at all or, or heard any of the stories of, uh, you know, just how powerful this guy is. I would, my, my sort of preference, I guess, would be that she have, that she would have some sort of, um, basically that, that she would kind of have a hunch that it was Anakin, but wouldn't want to believe that it was true. Mm. Um, I mean, sort of like Padme, like when Obi-Wan tells her that Anakin's turned to the dark side and that he killed younglings and everything, and she says, you know, no, I don't believe you, and and acts all distraught and everything. But at the same time, like, you can tell just by the look on her face, like, that she knew Anakin was up to some shady stuff, 
and just didn't want to accept it and and didn't want to believe that her husband could do all this stuff. And now Obi-Wan is kind of just laying it all in her lap. And, you know, on the one hand, she's like, no, I don't believe you. And on the other hand, she's like, crap, I knew this was going to happen. Um, and I would think it would be kind of the same thing with Ahsoka. Um, you know, knowing how close Anakin was with the Chancellor and knowing some of his darker tendencies and stuff... It's like, you know, all the Jedi are wiped out, but then suddenly there's this one really powerful Sith Lord and, you know, people are are speculating about whether or not he may have been a Jedi and, you know, nobody knows who he really is and he kind of just came out of nowhere. Like, I would think Ahsoka is probably clever enough, especially as well as she knew Anakin. Um, I I would think she'd probably have a suspicion that that was him. But then when they come face to face for the front time, come face to face for the first time, um you know, then it would just confirm her suspicions, whether he says something to her, uh, that, you know, she recognizes or whether she just senses his presence through the force or something like that. Um, but just to, to sort of have that moment where it's not a complete shock. It's not like, Holy crap, you're Anakin, but it's not also like, Hey, Anakin, what's up? I've known this was you the whole time, but somewhere it's sort of in between where she's like, master, I didn't want to believe it, but that is you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be a great way to do it. I kind of want it where, like you said, Ahsoka knows, but then it gets confirmed to her when she confronts him. But at the same time, like Vader is the one who's like shocked to see Ahsoka still alive or just seeing her again. Maybe he just like not forgotten about her, but did his best to like you know how he doesn't want to remember anything from his past, just to block her out of his mind. And then just has like being so like such shock when he sees it. He doesn't know what to do and maybe a little like faint of that goodness that's still in there with him shows itself where he doesn't necessarily kill her or allows her to get away or something like that. I think that'd be really great to like have a little small hint of what Luke is eventually going to bring out in return of the Jedi, but because you know, it's always there. It didn't fully go away. The goodness in Anakin. So if we get a little hint of something like that, I think that'd be great to see. And I think the perfect way to do it would be to show it with his former Padawan. So, yeah, man, absolutely. Just the possibilities are just sound so cool of what they can do with this, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and like you said, I think that's pretty spot on as far as Vader's reaction and what I would hope to see from that. Because, um, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, just like if they actually had a lightsaber duel, that would be freaking awesome. Yeah. But I, I'm almost more excited for just sort of the, the character implications um, you know, sort of the, the more personal moments, like what are they going to say to each other rather than, exactly. you know, who's going to ignite their lightsaber first. Yeah. Oh man. Now they better do this. <laughs> so throughout the course of the series, and like I said, I mean, we're saying, we're kind of talking about it. This is a lot for sure thing. And I kind of thinking that it will be in the end, but right now it's still rumors. I mean, none of this has been confirmed at all. So, but if this all ends up being true and we're at celebration and, even before that it gets revealed i just hope some of the stuff we talked about with their confrontation happens in the course of the series maybe not even in season two but maybe ahsoka becomes like one of the main characters in the series in season two and then like during the final season we see that epic confrontation with her and vader ah it'd be so awesome yeah i mean either way we gotta see that at some point and when we do it's gonna be amazing yeah for sure (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I mean, that's just about all the stuff for uh, the the Rebels series. Um, I guess one other Rebels related thing: we got our first look at some of the artwork from the new Kanan uh, comic that's coming out uh, at some point this year. When does this come out? I forget. 
You mean April? Uh, April. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just you know, a couple uh, pieces of artwork showing different uh, characters, character designs of uh, you know young Jedi Padawan Kanan. Um, so you know that should be pretty cool when that comes out. Now you've been reading these other new uh, Star Wars comics that have been coming out so far, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so far, they've been really good. I've been really impressed with them. And especially the new one that just came out with Darth Vader. I I love that issue. It was so good. But at the same hand, while that uh, Darth Vader title is doing a great job with the characterization of Darth Vader, I've been a little disappointed with how this main Star Wars comic has portrayed Vader with some of the actions that he does and this some of the dialogue that he has with uh, Luke and, and some of the pages of that issue. I don't want to go into too many spoilers. I know you haven't read it yet, and maybe those who are waiting for the trades, but there's just something off about him where I'm just not really digging the way uh, he's being written in the main Star Wars line. But he's be, it's the first issue of the Darth Vader comic was just awesome. Probably one of my favorite Star Wars comic issues in a while. And to have it feature Vader and knowing it's a monthly comic, I mean, I'm super excited for that one. I just That first issue blew me away. So, so far, three issues in, Marvel's doing a great job <laughs> with the Star Wars license again. I mean, and like I get, like I said before, with reading some of the novels, like a new Don and Tarkin, it's just cool knowing that this is in canon now, and it's all taking place within the universe of the movies. And knowing that this is part of the history now, it just adds to it because what we're seeing in these comics is some pretty cool stuff. So I've been totally happy with what Marvel's putting out so far. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of torn on this stuff, honestly, because I mean, I'm not like a huge comic book fan. So I'm not the the kind of person to like go out to a comic shop every month and pick up all the latest issues and stuff. So I was thinking I would probably just wait for the trade paperbacks on these, but then, I mean, I've been hearing nothing but good stuff about them, especially like you said, that, that first Darth Vader issue. I mean, all the, the star Wars fans I know who read the comics were just raving about that. Um, and I read a couple of reviews for it that made me really want to check it out. So I, I still might go ahead and, uh, and try to pick those issues up before waiting for the paperbacks because the other thing is i mean if the the if the paperback is like issues one through four let's say um you know they they don't even come out like as soon as issue number four comes out they come out maybe like two or three months after that and i don't necessarily want to wait that long to read it so um i don't know i might start picking them up we'll see well if you only can do one title i would definitely recommend vader first yeah that's probably what it what it seems like i might do so far but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I might have to check those out. Yeah, highly recommended by me. <laughs> um, now, aside from Rebels, um, there's one other Star Wars animated series that has kind of fallen by the wayside. And that's <laughs> Star Wars Detours, uh, which, you know, was was in production um, as of Celebration 6, because that's when we you know saw the first trailer and the first footage from it and everything. Um, that kind of got shelved when Disney took over and uh, was sort of put on hold indefinitely. But there's a new rumor from Jedi News talking about when we might uh, finally get to see the completed episodes of that show. Um, and they're saying that uh, sometime in May there there might be this whole big Star Wars digital catalog release where um, – I don't know if it would be on Netflix or on a specific website or something, but there just might be, um, you know, this this big digital release of all the Star Wars movies, which would be available online for the first time, as well as, um, I don't know, possibly some other stuff. I was going to say Clone Wars, but that's already all on Netflix. Um, but, you know, just, just uh, 
you know, a whole lot of new Star Wars content that hasn't been available online before. And this possibly would include um, all the completed episodes of Star Wars Detours. And I think this would be a good way for them to distribute it because then you don't really have to go through all the, you know, the marketing and stuff like they do with Rebels of, you know, releasing a new episode every week uh, and, and promoting it and doing all this stuff. You can just sort of throw it out there online and for, you know, anybody, anyone that wants to watch it, it's there. Um, but then they also point out in this article that at the end of last year, or like in August of 2014, uh, Lucasfilm registered like five new trademarks on Star Wars detours covering like toys and clothes and all that kind of stuff. So um, it seems like they might not be completely done with this yet. I mean, we had heard that they might even like shelve this until after episode seven or until after the entire sequel trilogy um, because they didn't want this to be the way that, uh, you know, that new fans got introduced to like a new generation of star Wars. But, um, I don't know. I hope they release it sooner than later. Cause I mean, if I were them, I wouldn't be too worried about this necessarily. Um, like I, it seems kind of hard to imagine that people would be introduced to star Wars for the first time through star Wars detours. I mean, it's kind of like the star Wars robot chicken specials and all that. It's like, you're going to watch those because they're Star Wars parodies, like, if you're a fan of Star Wars already in the first place. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, still just rumors at this point, but if this does turn out to be true, I would look forward to to being able to just watch all these online. Yeah, I think it's, like you said, the perfect way to put it out there. Just if they, like, release, like, a new Star Wars digital app and all the movies and Clone Wars and Rebel stuff's on there, they just throw detours on there, too. And... I was thinking the same thing where, well, the whole point of this being shelved was because they don't want, like, new fans to be exposed to this first and when we got in a new movie uh, trilogy coming out. So, but if it's just on an app, I don't think if the only people are going to see are, like, the hardcore fans who knew about this and see it there. Like, okay, well, we'll check this out. It's not like they have to push it as a TV series or anything and say, like, this is a new, like, Star Wars uh, experience that uh, they have to promote and push or, like, something like the next exciting thing in Star Wars. It could just be an extra added feature to this app that they put out with all the other content on there. So, yeah, I think it makes perfect sense if they do it this way. And, hopefully, like I said, hopefully they do because they yeah, <laughs> kind of forget about it. And it would be at least cool to check it out. And I don't think it will affect anything really as far as any, like, us, definitely old fans. But if new fans are going watching it on the app and they see it, after they see the movies and all that stuff, I don't think it's going to do any harm as far as misrepresentation, as far as the characters go. So, yeah, I think it's the perfect scenario to put it out. Yeah, I totally agree there. Um, and then lastly, to wrap up with the episode here, um, I mean, we've already mentioned Celebration you know, multiple times this episode. And, uh, you know, obviously we're super excited for that. Like I said, two months away. But we've got a couple new uh, announcements, uh, news bits here as far as uh, stuff to look forward to from Celebration. First of all, um, they revealed the lineup of all the artists that are going to be there. Um, and I think it's like 34, I want to say, um, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, of the, the different artists that are going to be there who are all doing um, exclusive prints uh, just for the show. Now, there might even be even more artists than that uh, just at the convention, you know, on the on the floor showing off their stuff but uh these 34 artists have been like selected by lucasfilm to all do um exclusive artwork for the show and you can on the website go through uh all the different artists and look at uh all the artwork that each of them have like you know for each artist you can see the the exclusive print that they're doing for the convention and uh as always i mean some really cool stuff 
Um, I've already gone through and picked out my top four uh, prints that I want to get at the convention. Obviously, I'm not going to get all four. Um, and especially like as we get closer to the convention, they always uh, release more information on that. And usually for each exclusive print, they'll tell you like how big it is and what the price is on it. And obviously, the bigger ones are going to be more expensive. Um, and I think a couple of the ones I've got my eyes on. Um, I'm thinking are probably going to end up being some of the more expensive ones. So I don't know if I'll end up being able to get those, but definitely some cool stuff here. Um, and this is always one of the things that I, you know, look forward to the most about conventions is seeing, you know, all the cool artwork and stuff that people do. Um, but, uh, yeah, Tim, I know you were pretty excited about this clone, uh, 501st, uh, artwork piece that you posted up on the website with the article here that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. I love that piece, man. <laughs> like you said, too, seeing all the new, uh, Artwork that's being done by the awesome Star Wars artists for celebrations is always something I look forward to seeing. Even though I'm not there in person, I just love seeing the the prints that get like put on StarWars.com just to see how they look. Because man, these artists do some awesome jobs. And this one here by uh, the artist Chris D. He did a a clone trooper one that just looks awesome. He got like Captain Rex in there. You got other clone troopers down there. A clone trooper to the side of Captain Rex without his helmet on. It just an awesome image of all the clones. And just glad to see the clones represented in here because. Like sometimes I just forgotten and just start like thought of those older stormtroopers and sometimes people don't even know the difference between stormtroopers and clone troopers. So glad to see him represented, but at least amongst one of the artists here. So this image just looks really cool. It'd just be an awesome poster to have on my wall. So yeah, if I were to get well, one uh, piece of art, this would be the one I would get. Yeah, and you know, I was uh, as I was looking closer at this, I realized like it's not just a bunch of clone troopers, but these are all like the the 501st clones from the show like you've got rex and then there's fives um the one off to the left in the arc trooper armor i think is maybe supposed to be echo but i'm not sure um just because echo is the only other clone or only other arc trooper in the 501st that we know of but then the three in the middle um or at least with two of them you can tell it's uh, i want to say jesse and hard case um, but anyway, yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, that's even cool. cooler that yeah. those are actually some of like the recognizable, uh, clones from the 501st in the show that we know of. Yeah. I can't believe I didn't pick up on five. So <laughs> you see the tattoo on his head right there with the mark. Oh yeah. Back. See, I, I caught that like the first time I, I looked at it cause he's got the, the five tattoo and then the yeah. goatee. Um, but then, yeah, it took me a couple more times to notice the three guys in the front and I was like, oh, I think that's like hard case right there in the front. That'd be cool if uh Tup was there, like the one with the tear on his, um, yeah. Behind his visor was on, like, on his mask. So I love that design. <laughs> it would be kind of hard to see if it was these clones kind of far further back. But yeah, I always like that design of Tup's helmet with that little tear. <laughs> yeah, so definitely some good stuff to look forward to there. And then, of course, for those of us who are going to be at the show, um, these artists always have way more stuff in addition to uh, just their exclusive prints. Um, so definitely a lot of stuff to look forward to there. Um, and even, I mean, I don't know how much artwork i'll end up buying probably not more than like one or two prints but I, I you know i just look forward to walking around and looking at all the cool stuff that these guys have and if there's something else that jumps out at me that's like man i really gotta have that then i might go ahead and get more than i planned on but i'm gonna try not to blow too much money on this convention because then i've got phoenix comic-con coming up like a month afterwards yeah being this my first celebration it's gonna be hard to like to control my spending if i see tons of cool stuff I was like oh i want that i want that <laughs> especially yeah. with the artwork stuff man but it was funny i remember at celebration six i bought something on the first day and i don't remember i don't think it was an art print i maybe bought like i think i bought the the uh phase two captain rex action figure 
Um, and Michael Cohen was making fun of me. He's like, oh, you're making the, the convention newbie mistake of, you know, buying everything on the first day. Um, but I was like, hey, I don't have this figure yet, and I see it here, and if I wait till Saturday or Sunday, it might be gone, so I'm just going to get it now. Yeah. <laughs> Better safe than sorry, yep. Yeah, but uh, then the other big uh, piece of celebration news that's been going around, um, obviously we've been expecting that we'll probably get some new information about The Force Awakens uh, at the convention, but now it is confirmed that J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy are both going to be there at Star Wars Celebration. Um, but the the really surprising thing is normally the big panel, especially, you know, in this case, the, the panel where they would be talking about Episode 7, you would normally expect that to be, like, on maybe Friday or Saturday evening, like right in the middle of the convention when, you know, the most number of people are there and the most... Uh, number of people are going to be there to you know to see the panel but they are going to be uh jj abrams and kathleen kennedy are going to be kicking off the convention um at 10 a.m on thursday morning so to to start off the convention it's going to be um you know their their special appearance now it doesn't say this is the only appearance that they're going to make at celebration but i would assume that this is going to be i mean you know, th this is probably going to be the one big day that they're there. And, you know, the, all the, the speculation going on right now is that this is when we're going to see the next trailer for the movie. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the timing seems a little weird. On the one hand, it seems like a perfect way to kick off the convention with a bang. But on the other hand, it's like not everybody's going to be there yet Thursday morning, which is good for us because it just means shorter lines to wait in. Um, but... Man, uh, it gets me even more excited to know that like we're just going to show up and get to see the trailer right away, rather than you know have to wait till like almost the end of the sh the convention. Now, of course, this is just m my speculation and a lot of other people's speculations as well. But there's nothing in this press release here that says for sure that they're going to um, show off the new footage for the movie. But it does say they're going to kick off the show in a big way. And then it also says, check back to StarWarsCelebration.com closer to the show for queuing and wristband details. So it's like, if you need to get a wristband to get into this thing, you know yeah. they're going to be showing off something special. Like, kicking it off with a bang does not mean they're just going to be replaying the first teaser trailer on a big screen or, you know, announcing the cast of the, the first spinoff movie or something like that. It's like, no, they're going to be... I don't know, either showing off a new trailer or showing off like the first five minutes of the movie or something like that. Man, that'd be crazy if it's actually like the first five minutes or so. <laughs> well, see, normally I wouldn't expect that, but the fact that this is queuing and wristband details, like we were there for the this Clone Wars season five premiere at Celebration Six, and we didn't need a wristband to get in. At least I don't think, but if we did, it was probably because we were press and we were like front row seats for that thing so that was pretty cool but you know we had to check in with the media people and go in early but um i mean i don't think they had to like i, I don't think any that everyone sitting in the room for that had to get a wristband or something like that so um yeah i mean just the fact that they're making such a big deal out of this i'm like there's something big going down here Totally, yeah, man. When I first saw this announcement of them being there, and I was surprised, like you were, to know that I was going to kick off the event on Thursday. Like, what, man? I mean, if I wasn't excited for Celebration before, to know this is going to kick off Celebration Anaheim was, I mean, I want to say possibly 
new footage, but come on, we know we're getting new footage. I mean, seeing episode seven or the Force Awakens footage, the kickoff celebration on the first day, I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, we're just going to be on such a high for that day. The only negative will be, well, that maybe nothing later on in the convention will be as epic as that. But Exactly. <laughs> regardless, it's going to be a cool just to see it right off the bat. I mean, you know what everyone's going to be talking about for the rest of that day, just whatever footage they show there, whether it's a trailer or like a scene or something. I mean, it's just going to be awesome. <laughs> I just can't wait for it. I mean, this even reading all the stuff, the rumors, reports we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, reading that stuff today, this like getting excited for it, and then just thinking in the back of my head, you know, in just two months, we can possibly see like some of this stuff in motion and a new trailer at Celebration. I mean, they just get you really pumped up for it. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Like you said at the beginning, we're exactly two months away as we're recording this episode. So, I mean, we kept hearing those rumors about like early on during the summer, like early fall, like when are we going to get the first trailer? Is it going to be this year? Is it going to be next year? But now we know for a fact in just two months, we're seeing new Force Awakens footage. And boy, they're describing it here, a big way to kick off the show. And uh, I think they also sell like a very special celebration event is what they're describing this as. You know, it's going to be something big. So I'm expecting to be blown away uh, (laughs) when I sit, sit down in this room and they have, I don't know if it's going to be how long this will be, actually, if it's going to be like a panel type thing or kind of like just like the first thing that kicks off celebration where they're just going to give a small speech each and then they'll show the new trailer or something like that. Kind of hoping that, like you said, I didn't say this in the press release, like it'll be something small and then they show the new trailer and then later on, like on Saturday, we get like the episode seven panel. Maybe JJ and Kathleen Kennedy won't be there, but maybe... Like Pablo Hidalgo will be there to like uh, be the moderator, and maybe we get a few of the cast members to talk about their experiences while making the movie and stuff like that. I'm kind of hoping this isn't the only episode seven thing that's going to be there. Maybe it's the only place we'll get footage, but maybe there'll be a panel with like the cast talking about it. So all that stuff's still up in the air. I mean, we're still going to be expecting a lot more announcements from now until April 16th. So, but boy, yeah, this is going to start off Celebration Anaheim with a bang. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, the only problem with it, like you said, is that it's either going to totally eclipse everything for the rest of the convention and, you know, we'll be sitting in like a Rebels panel or a Battlefront panel and they'll show something new and we'll just be there like not paying attention and whispering to each other like, did you see that Chrome Stormtrooper in the trailer? (laughs) Um, Or it'll be one of those things where, you know, we see it Thursday morning, it's really awesome we get super excited about it but then for the rest of the convention you know we see the rebel season two premiere and watch ahsoka fight Darth vader and then we uh you know get to play a hands-on demo of the next battlefront game or geek it out over that and then by the end of the you know by the end of sunday it's like wait what was in that force awakens trailer again i mean i remember it was really cool but the details are starting to get fuzzy because the other thing is for those four days you don't get a whole (laughs) lot of sleep so yeah that's another curious thing like if they gonna release it online not too long afterwards because if they do that i mean we'll be watching that like every night before we go to sleep well and here's the thing though i mean my my prediction still is that we're just gonna see whatever trailer for the movie is gonna premiere before avengers age of ultron which is like two weeks after the convention um and so normally i would think that you know any new trailer or something would probably go up online like as soon as we get to see it or later on in the weekend or something. But in this case, I mean, I'm, I'm still wondering if they're going to just 
you know, try to keep it under wraps for two weeks. And of course, everyone who's who was at the convention is going to tell their friends about what they saw in there. Um, and I'm sure they'll have on their, all their lawyers combing YouTube and taking down all the bootleg versions of it. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. If it does end up online, then yeah, certainly we'll be just watching it nonstop. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. E- either way, I'm sure it's going to be unforgettable and, you know, we, we won't forget all of it by the end of the, the weekend. Cause the other thing too, it, like even if they just show it at that one panel or something, I would at least hope that they would like show it twice. Yeah, you know, maybe they'll just hopefully. show it to kick off the panel and then bring out JJ Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy to do their thing. And then at the end of it, um, you know, be like, you guys want to see it again? And we're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Or at least show it here. And then, like I said, maybe we'll get a separate episode seven panel and they'll show it again there. I mean, I, the ideal thing will be get like some exclusive footage only at celebration to kick it off. And then maybe in a separate panel, we get the trailer that will be with Avengers age of Ultron, but that's probably yeah, just possibly. thinking <laughs> asking for too much there. I would think. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, like I said, a week ago, I would have said that was wishful thinking, but again, just the way they worded this press release makes me think like, maybe this will be more than just a trailer. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, we got two months to think about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we maybe we'll get to see like that whole IMAX sequence with the Millennium Falcon or something. Jeez, man. <laughs> can you imagine being well, can, can you even have an IMAX screen in one of those rooms? <laughs> you think? I don't know. But just, you know, to, to show some I'm thinking like what bit of footage could they show that wouldn't like give away too much. But just to show, you know, an early action scene or chase scene or something like that. Really? Um, one my wishful thinking of what I really want to see is just seeing the original trilogy characters again for the first time. Han, Luke, and Leia, seeing how they Oh, well, the yeah, I mean, I, I guarantee amazing. you they'll be in the next trailer. Yeah, I mean, even if they're not in the trailer, just some exclusive thing for Celebration. Like, either way, I want to see those characters, how they're going to appear in the movie at Celebration. I think that would, I don't want to say it's a must, but it'd be a thing that would just get everyone so pumped up i mean the way everyone cheered when uh they showed that deleted scene of luke igniting his lightsaber from return of the jedi mm. if they show luke from the force awakens man i think it's going to be 10 times more the reaction <laughs> from what we saw or i wasn't there but from what i saw online on videos and all that the reaction that footage got it's just going to be through the roof for the force awakens yeah so cool um well at least we've only got two months to wait to find out. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, I think that is just about going to do it for this episode as we close in on yet another three-hour marathon here. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, Tim, you got any uh, mail or anything for us to read before we wrap up? Um, yeah, we actually got an email from our loyal listener, Brian Bailey. You sent us an email um, kind of just saying, firstly, starts off by saying that he hope he's not being too predictable with uh, where we just know he's going to send us an email. But <laughs> then again, he says, I'm sending you an email anyway. But I like to think it's through the force how we know we can expect an email from you, Brian. Not that it's predictable. It's just through the force. <laughs> we know that's coming. Uh, but he goes on to say where he wants to kind of share his thoughts on Ahsoka, the rumor about Ahsoka, Darth Vader, and Palpatine being in Star Wars Rebels, which we talked about earlier. He says he's just really glad and hoping that Emperor Palpatine 
it will be voiced by Sam Witwer instead of uh, Tim Curry. And he goes on to say he has it on good word that Sam Witwer will be taking over the role of Emperor Palpatine. So, Brian, do you know, some, know something that we don't know? Do you have some inside sources? Because <laughs> you sound pretty confident that Sam Witwer's going to be doing it. So, Brian, yeah, but... did you kill some Bothans? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so as you heard us talk about before, we're total agreement with Sam what we're back in CDS. So it's going to be awesome. And then, yeah, he goes on to say about uh, Ahsoka coming back in Rebels. He's kind of viewing it as both a blessing and a curse because he's saying that even though she's such a beloved character and that she has so many fans from the Clone Wars and we want to see her story continue, he actually thinks it's going to be a curse because the likely confrontation her and Vader are going to have is going to end up in her death. And he thinks that if they do do that, it would be too big of a storyline to be told in Rebels, and he thinks it should be like told in an animated movie that's released in the theaters, which would be awesome. Yeah, I think we'd all agree would be some every Star Wars fan would want to see. But then he says it'd just be sad to see Ahsoka die, and that it'd just be like such an emotional moment in the Star Wars saga that that's something that should be told in the big screen. But I'm not necessarily sure that that's going to be your fate. Like I mentioned earlier, I think we're going to see Vader let her go and see that little hint of goodness still in Anakin. So it'll be interesting for sure to see where that story goes with Ahsoka, but I'm not sold on her dying if she does go against Vader in a battle. And then he also wants to bring out, too, that um, he shared a cool story where there's this website called um, Star Wars Genesis, and you get, the address is uh, starwarsgenesis.wordpress.com, where um, the editor there, it's... Uh, I believe his name is Cody Lee, and he pretty much lets anyone share like their earliest memories that made them fall in love with Star Wars and become fans. And Brian recently wrote up his Star Wars Genesis story, and he actually sent that to us in an email, and I had a chance to read it. And it's really good. It's kind of an inspirational story as far as how Brian had some troubled upbringing uh, with his father, but then Star Wars helped him get him through it and just kind of made him into like the person that he is today is being a Star Wars fan and just what he loves about the saga and how it related to his life. It's a really great read, so I recommend anyone uh, to go check that out at starwarsgenesis.wordpress.com. So he's uh, pretty much invite like the goal of the site is for uh, to get 500 stories on there before The Force Awakens. So he's inviting everyone to go uh, check it out and they can send their stories to starwarsgenesis at yahoo.com. So yeah, that's pretty much it from uh, Brian to share his thoughts on the whole Ahsoka returning for Rebels and Palpatine and Darth Vader. Like us, he sounds pretty darn excited, I think. So just another fan to add to the wish list of wanting this to really be true because some epic stuff's going to be told with that. So, yeah, thanks again, Brian, for sending us the email and sharing your thoughts on this. We love hearing from you. So he concludes by just saying, may the force be with you. So thanks again, Brian, for sending us in your email. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for writing to us. Um, and, you know, it's always cool to hear people's uh, stories about sort of how they were introduced to Star Wars or how they became fans in the first place. And, uh, um, you know, that, that's always something cool to hear from people or cool to talk about. Um, I, I will say I'm slightly disappointed that no one sent me a Chicken Walker origin story um, and, and figured <laughs> yeah. out where the name Chicken Walker came from. I did a little digging myself. Uh, couldn't really find anything concrete, so I guess you know maybe nobody else could find out either. But that's what I was gonna um, say. Maybe it's like the unsolvable mystery that we'll just never know the answer to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what came first, the chicken walker or the ATAT? I don't know. <laughs> we'll just create um, the egg walker. <laughs> um, but I mean, the the closest thing I could find was 
um, I mean, maybe this was on Wikipedia or somewhere else, but you know, when, when I looked up chicken Walker, it just said, uh, it didn't describe it as just the, the Walker from star Wars, but they said it's sort of a nickname for any like two legged bipedal, you know, Walker machine from, from science fiction where the leg sort of like bends backward, like a bird leg does. Um, and they listed all these examples from other different sci-fi movies. And I was like, Oh, well, I've only ever heard it connected to star Wars before. So I don't know, maybe it's like a more generic sci-fi term or maybe it was a more generic sci-fi term. And then star Wars fans just kind of took over it. And you know, that's why nobody remembers why it, or, you know, where it originated from in star Wars. Cause it was just something that was already around before. Um, I don't know, but that was, that was kind of fun to, to try to look into that. But yeah, that still, is just one of those things where people just call it that and you know exactly what they're talking about. And then you're like, wait, who the heck decided to call it a chicken? Yeah. <laughs> Well, even if we don't get to the bottom of the full mystery of it, it did make for a great episode title for our last one. <laughs> it certainly did. I, w- I was pretty happy about that. And you know what? It, maybe it's just one of those things that should never be revealed, just like the origin of Yoda and how we don't need a Yoda standalone movie. Oh, no. We definitely need that. Yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> Nobody wants to see teenage Yoda with a full head of hair running around. <laughs> uh, oh, man, I'd love to see that. Or maybe he was just naturally bald the whole time, or balding because he does have a little patch of hair in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, that w- that would be kind of interesting to see. Or okay, at least it's like the name of Yoda's species. Yeah, like if they make a Yoda origin species or a Yoda origin movie, you still can't name his species. I guess, uh, but I do want to know his home world. I want to see like what his world's like in other members of his species there maybe they don't reveal the name but i want to see the home world yeah maybe well i mean i'm sure yeah i'm sure if they did an origin movie it would probably take place on his home world but i don't know if you if you reveal the name of the species then it kind of ends up like sheave palpatine where people are just like you know what i liked it better when i didn't know (laughs) true but uh, i mean how how bad can the name of a species be to make you really turn off on it (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's I not just the like character's the, name. It's just the name of the species. So. I, I like the mystery of it. Uh, I want to know every detail about Yoda as much as I can. <laughs> well, I like the mystery. I like the mystery of Yoda, but I want to know every detail about chicken walkers that I can. But alas, it is not to be. Yeah. But hopefully I'll get mine where you will not get yours on the chicken walker. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I will say this. I don't need a chicken walker origin standalone movie. <laughs> oh, man, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, well, I think we should just go ahead and wrap up here before we ramble off into the night on who knows what else. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. It's been a fun episode, and we are glad to have you along listening with us as we uh, talk about all this fun Star Wars stuff. Um, if you want to check us out online, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. You can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC, um, and you can visit our website, starwarstsc.com, to find all the, the latest news reports and rumors and all that good stuff as we find them um, and pass them along to you guys before we have time to sit down and record another three-hour episode. So uh, this has been fun. It's been a while since we've had one this big. Um, yeah, but we definitely uh, made up for a long break that we had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, we let these stories pile up over the past few weeks. So, um, yeah, back with a, another uh, ATAT sized episode as opposed yeah. <laughs> to our, our last one, which is more chicken walker sized. Uh, um, 
But yeah, so that, that's where you guys can find us online and uh, on social media. And if you want to send us email and uh, you know share your thoughts, questions, comments, uh, feedback on the show, uh, anything like that, you can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. Um, and you can also check us out on iTunes if you listen to us on there and uh, leave us a nice review on our iTunes feed if you enjoy the show. Uh, please and thank you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's going to do it for this episode. So, uh, thank you guys for tuning in and you know what we might, uh, I don't know, depending on how the timing works out, uh, maybe for our next episode, we'll kind of do like a review of the, uh, the star Wars rebels season one finale. Um, cause that is set to air March 2nd, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so yeah, should be right about in time for our next episode. And of course, if we've got any new rumors on, episode seven or uh, any standalone movies or battlefront or anything else like that uh we will certainly be uh talking in depth about all that stuff as well so until next time we will see you guys later and may the force be with you see you next time everybody Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to episode 54. Um, I was going to say something else, and it all got stuck in a traffic jam in my mouth. Take two. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to episode 54 of Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your pad... What the heck is wrong with me? A padcast? <laughs> Your pad cost? <laughs> Padme? <laughs> Padamame or Panda Bear or whatever the heck her name is. <laughs> yeah, you did the intro of the robot chicken palpity voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I totally would, except I'm gonna end up just doing it in the regular Emperor Palpatine voice. <laughs> Welcome to Star Wars Rebels. Star Wars The Saga Continues. Where the heck did Rebels come from? (laughs) Maybe I'll actually put a blooper reel at the end of the show for once. Uh, Anywho, starting again. Uh.